We are live. Happy up? Friday. It's carpets and coffee. Claws out for Friday. Here. Oh, he's got the go. white claw. Okay. How was that? There you go. <laughs> for all oh. you audio only folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was just super tired. We did um we did a, an awesome NPR episode last night with Shane at Shane Adamson. And um, we talked about his recent Halmahera clutch. Halmahera scrub python clutch. How badass is that? Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. And, and if I'm um, not mistaken, has he done it a f- multiple times now too? No, this is just the, the first, first time. time. Okay, yeah. cool. But um, he has, uh, 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 you'll have to listen to it to find out. Yeah. But, uh, he, uh, <laughs> he talks about how he has his, uh, he has a humidifier in his room. And he sort of runs it on one of those Gobi, um, mm. uh, you know, like timers and stuff. So he can sort of set it to, I can't stop watching it, Kimberly Rock. <laughs> it's going to be the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Eric, hey, <laughs> yeah. over hey, here. <laughs> no, but I yeah, don't blame he, you at all. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, he, was, he was talking about, um, yeah, just how he uses humidity as something that he uses for a cycle rather than. Really? Uh, you know okay using just heat or feeding or you know kind of like a rainy season dry season kind of mentality <laughs> yeah which makes sense for uh indonesian uh you know pythons um for sure so but uh but yeah cool so very cool yeah i'm excited to hear that it'll be a fun one <laughs> that and of course i need to listen to mark o'shea but we all have to wait for that <laughs> yeah i uh <clears throat> so i did round two and uh i'll probably finish that up over the weekend and uh put awesome. that'll be coming out but uh yeah there's there's lots of little good tidbits in there for sure i can't stop looking over there man <laughs> <laughs> you should have angled your uh your screen different today so that we yeah can all i know just this is, uh, not even any conversation on this episode. We all just yeah, look. Just watch. <laughs> it's a live cam. <laughs> so yeah, I think the uh, the the difference between them and snakes is um, they're active. But my hope is is that if I get a snake in an enclosure like this, that uh, mm. I'll see more activity in snakes too. So. Oh, for sure. You know. So yeah, I mean, I think in in most cases probably you know species specific a little bit but i I have found that to be true you know if you give them the space they use it yeah um again my my favorite thing in my apartment is the six foot blackhead enclosure he's just always (laughs) out he's as as soon as i turn the light on he's out which is so cool (laughs) that's awesome man oh speaking of which and the, you'll 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 have to take note and listen to Shane and he talked about how yeah. he runs a wet incubator. So immediately I think of blackheads and and uh, woma pythons because right. their eggs are sensitive to water, and he he runs the humidity in the actual incubator rather than okay. the egg box. So, are we talking like an open container of water somewhere in the the broad incubator environment, but nothing in the egg boxes? Uh, so he uses, so he uses a, um, I guess like a pan of water at the bottom. Okay. And he puts one of those, um, aerator stones or whatever, like, uh, you know, that kind of bubbles the water or whatever, hmm. something like that. Yeah. So it keeps the, it keeps it going and moving and whatnot. But, um, 
And then inside the box, he sort of used like the egg grate diffuser and he used like vermiculite, I think, and like, okay. and water, but, um, you know, no measure or anything like that. And then he's, he puts something underneath the eggs to sort of keep them from touching. So they didn't like soak up the water, but interesting. it's, uh, it was, it was pretty cool, but I immediately thought, Oh, black. Ah, yes. <laughs> There's so many strategies. Um, no, that's awesome. And, and certainly makes sense. You know, of course the biggest thing is that you just don't want those suckers to get wet. Um, but, also, in terms of the Walma eggs, I don't know if this applies to the blackhead eggs, but there was an issue with the Walma eggs at GX3 getting too dry last season when uh, hmm. there wasn't enough moisture and, and a few of them desiccated. And I think they lost five or six of them to that. So, damn, it's tricky. Damn it balance. Tricky. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, you know, both Jason Hood and Derek Roddy have said that they incubate the blackhead eggs with no or little to no moisture in the egg box itself. So pretty cool that, that Shane did that with the, uh, the Hama Harris as well. So I guess a thought would be that you, <laughs> what is a Morelia Python? And, want Great question. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're Welcome. like us, Matthew Hale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, it uh, that would I guess that would be uh, a way you could do that with um, having the humidity in the incubator and nothing in the egg box for blackheads at right. Walmas. Are they yeah. both equally as difficult in all the readings that you've come across? Well, in all the research that you've done. I, again, you know, like everything, I guess it depends on who you ask. In my opinion, I think that the Walmart eggs seem to be a little bit more hardy um i'm but that also just might be because at gx3 last season i watched a bunch of Wilma's hatch and i watched some blackheads not so you know right, right, maybe right. i my right. one personal experience is is right. tipping the balances has, there has ruined you <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i don't know i don't know which seems you think it would be the opposite because blackheads are found in more like yeah. uh, you find them in Queensland and stuff like that, which is, you know, yeah, right. Interesting. And the Wilmas are laying in the, in burrows underground where I would assume it's very thermally stable and also probably dry, um, but humidity more humid than above ground. Maybe. Yeah. If it's dry, <laughs> I don't know. Crap. Um, uh, more research yeah. is needed. I, guess I know. Well. well, I hope that in a few years I'll be able to answer that better once I actually produce these dang things myself. Um, yeah. You know, it's always tricky to try and talk on something when I haven't even done it. But <laughs> speaking yeah. of the man and the myth, the legend, he is there here. He is. What's Mike. up, Mike? <laughs> Mike from Mike's Monitors. Uh, Sasquatch yeah. himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, we're going to get into that, Mike. Yeah. We're going to get into, uh, you know, this, uh, this road I'm we, going We have down. to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first let's talk about how's the babies doing. The babies are doing great. Um, the, uh, the first clutch the, of, of hypo stripes, I offered them food. Um, I started with frozen, uh, Nick and I kind of have like a protocol in place that we're both going to be doing the same thing so that we can standardize our you know, data and whatnot, but I got 14 or 15 out of the first 22 to take frozen on first, first offering. So I was super excited about that. 
Wow. Um, like, you know, it, it's just luck, but that was awesome. So that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. And, and a few of the ones that didn't take the frozen took live a few days later. Um, and, and then I'll just be working on the rest of them until they give in. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, the other two clutches still have not shed. Um, but everybody's looking great. I'm just, I'm so, so excited about the quality of the clutches and the diversity of the, you know, phenotypes that we got, like there's a little bit of everything and, um, yeah, it's really yeah. freaking cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Has Nick seen them yet? I've sent him some pictures and yeah. you know, I, I, I sent him a picture of one of the visual hypo stripes because it was huge. I was like, holy crap, man, look, it's like a 35 gram baby. And he's like, I picked that one. I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't send him any pictures anymore yes. but because uh, uh. we're splitting those. So. Yeah, I should have sent him the picture of the crappier one. <laughs> yeah, the twin or the, you know, the, the run. Yeah, yeah. So. no, but they all look good. I mean, they're, they're really uh, with the, the visual stripes that are also hypo. For some reason, the stripe is just perfect. None of them are broken up or, or anything. So you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they said uh, yeah, Crow Fabulous here says uh, I'm going to have plenty of lizard sheds to get babies going. <laughs> You got it. There it is. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm going to have uh, blue tongue skinks, sheds, uh, you know, Kimberly Rock sheds, Aki well, see, sheds. Yeah, that the Aki sheds, that's pretty cool because that might be like a native prey item for like a Woma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the red center. <laughs> oh, man. Um, speaking of Womas, my one of my coworkers is getting hired over at the California Academy of Sciences. I don't, have oh, you heard cool. of that? The, the place? Yeah. No. It's like a really amazing AZA accredited zoo in the city. And I just found out, uh, I haven't been there since high school, but they now have an exhibit there where they're cohabbing Womas and Breadlot. Really? And I was like, holy crap, how did I not know this? Like, <laughs> I need to go immediately. Uh, wow. But yeah, huh. they have like a little, uh, it, it's like a, a, not a sphere, uh, a cylinder, a glass cylinder with like a bunch of vertical space for the brettles and then the Womas at the bottom. And it's like a little slice of, of Alice Springs or something like that. So <laughs> nice. how cool is that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Except they think that the Woma is not going to go in the trees. They didn't, well, read, yes. they didn't read Melissa's paper. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, isn't that a great question? I wonder if they do. Um, <laughs> you might want to tell them like, uh, by the way, yeah. you go in trees. That will be my first question. And they hunt <laughs> reptiles in trees. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. they're dragons, but still. At least the uh, the Brigolo Womas, which, of course, whatever Womas they stuck in there, there's no way of knowing that whether they're Brigolo Womas or what. So, <laughs> yes. What's up, Jeremy? Do you think fresh hatched eggs would work for scenting? Scenting for snakes? Maybe. I don't know. Fresh That's a good question. eggs, like smearing the albumin on something. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's definitely potent. You can smell it. That's for sure. <laughs> well, one of the things that um, I'm giving all the info away from Shane's uh, chat last night, but uh, we were talking rough scales because um, he's, he's doing rough scales too. And um, he was saying that he boils uh, chicken broth. Okay. And then he'll put the uh sub Alex will put the um 
the pinkies in the chicken broth and then and then they they'll take them doing that nice i guess Ruffy's i've heard of uh nick doing that as well nick, oh really nick, yeah he uses the chicken broth um i know in the early days of mp they talked a lot about if you're having Morelia trouble with Morelia going, they used to use like turkey baby food. And then there was <laughs> yogurt that they would do. Um, yogurt? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Uh, use like a, I guess the thought was that if you got the, uh, you know, like, which doesn't make any sense because they don't have the same um, gut flora as we do, right? Right. <laughs> that you would get that going, but... Um, I'm not sure that snakes, yeah, use the same probiotics. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Somebody knows, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not us. <laughs> so, so yeah. So Yes, Kimber so Kimber <laughs> you, sir... Mr. Lizard. <laughs> uh, what's up? Kimber what's up, Robert? Uh Kimberly Rocks, dude. Kimberly man. Rocks. Tell me everything. Um, when did they arrive? They came yesterday. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I got fresh. Finally catch live. Oh, hey. What's yeah, welcome, up? Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Um I you know it's so weird, man. I never I never thought of myself as a lizard guy per se. Um oh finely blended monitor eggs for sending. Ah, ah, very cool. Worth it worth a shot for sure. Yeah. Oh, lights out. Um how so does game, one ship a baby Kimberly Rock Deli? I was curious about that. Yeah. Now Mike had these uh oh no, I got them right here. I kind of saved them because I wanted to show. Perfect. In a little, oh, okay, very cool. A little tub like that. And a little, he had a paper towel in there, and uh, you know, they were just chilling in there. And I, you know, I, I when I opened it up, I, I was kind of surprised how small they were. Um, you know, I, I, I know he was, he, Mike had told me that he was small, that they were small, but I guess when you actually see them. And they've put <laughs> they've put some size on since since they hatched. Right? You know? Are they about two months, two and a half months? I think so. I okay. think so. Yeah. Um, definitely different than Aki's, but different in a good way. So I can see why people would want to have both. Um, which, Is that uh in terms of their disposition, like two months, their, yeah. their personality, or the differences, or so. I, I would I'm assuming and talking to Mike, I'm assuming that um that he, you know, he would send me, he would tell me that he, you know, would spend his morning ritual was to go down and see these guys and sort of feed them and you know nice. and get them go. So they're they're very um friendly as opposed to my Ackies, which are like, you know, still skittish and whatnot, you know. Right. So um, they're familiar with the food monkey. Yes, yeah. They're like, oh, another different food monkey. Okay. <laughs> this one has less facial hair. Yeah. It's a lot smaller. <laughs> it's a hobbit monkey. Or uh, what what's the hobbits in Indonesia? <laughs> yeah, that's uh Florensis or whatever. Um but that's uh, so so cool. Yeah. Um dude, I I put them in, they're running all around, checking everything out. Um dude, I <laughs> 
I, I'm a, I can't say enough good things about him, man. So I can only imagine, right? So like I see the Ackies and I, now that's the Kimberly rocks. I can only imagine what it's like to have a Mertens monitor. I can, mm. dude. Wow. <laughs> those are the those are the ones that people affectionately call otters, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because are they they're pretty aquatic? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's so they're cool. the ones that Mike has in those that big uh cage where it sort of has the um you could the, the visual on the on the bottom. Nice. You can sort of see them swimming around and you know hunting for food and scaled otters. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And and you and Owen saw or Maybe it was the trip before Owen went, but you saw those nope. in Australia, didn't you? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, dude, they were all. Oh, that was. Yeah, that was. That was <laughs> Not I to depress you by bringing up Australia, but. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? But uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, hundred percent. We saw those. Uh, saw many of them. I think there was probably about twelve, maybe that we saw. Nice. Yeah, twelve in this in this one spot, but um. Yeah, so back to the uh to the Kimberly Rocks. Um yeah, man, they're just they're just so freaking cool. I I just freaking love them, man. I'm so happy for you. I'm like I'm also jealous, but I won't have to be jealous for long. <laughs> yeah, cuz you're getting some as well, right? Yes. Yes, from Mr. Brett Bender himself. Um I did say I sort of put it out there and I I I I made a post or whatever when i posted it up but like you know i've i say all the time about how when you're buying from a breeder you get the support of that breeder and you can you know see somebody that actually puts work and cares about their animals and stand behind you right. know everything and, and you know mike i cannot i cannot stress enough that if you're in the market for monitors mike is your guy <laughs> you know you should hit him up he's got uh uh, you know, all kinds of species. Um, I can see myself getting, um, uh, some of, uh, some of the other ones for sure. Um, yeah, man. Snakes next week, oh. especially once we have a warehouse for the entire MPR collection, I mean, you can get any <laughs> monitor you want. And yeah, man. Me and Riley will scoop. Parentes. Parentes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a hundred percent. I mean, I could listen to Mike for hours. I mean, both of the times that he's been on NPR has been just so illuminating, you know, what a wealth of knowledge and what an awesome guy. So, yeah. And the thing of it is, is like, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's very like, you, you can tell he's not necessarily like, you know, uh, it, it's like instinct. Mm his knowledge, you know what I mean? Like, which to me is, is some is, is almost better than being book smart. And I'm not saying that right. it's not book smart. So I, I don't know how to phrase this correctly, where it doesn't sound like I'm putting my foot in my mouth, I got you. but, I got you. <laughs> but like very intuitive to what's going on with, with, with his animals and, you know, adjust on the fly. And you know, what would you call that? Uh, um, I was trying to think of an L word instead of student of the serpent. We have got the lizard of... brain. <laughs> yeah. Lizard brain. There you go. Yeah. So well, it, it's, stuff. it's, it's absolutely a different thing, right? Like you can be book smart all day and not really be in tune with the animal in the way that somebody else is. That yeah. Kind of has what you're talking about for yeah, sure. It, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I could read about Sudeikis all day and I'm not going to have what, 
say Scott Iper has, you know, like it's, yeah. it's because he's worked with them for decades. Yeah. It's different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain amount of, uh, you know, what is that? They used to, I think the Barkers used to say that there's like a thing called snake years and, you know, um, you know, for every snake that you work with for, you know, a year at, you know, adds up and right. you know, if or so if you have a collection of say 200 snakes, you have 200 snake years, you know, right. that kind of thing. And to, um, to use our shared music experience as an analogy, you have the people that could tell you everything there is to know about theory. Yes. But they can't yes. rip a solo <laughs> that touches your soul. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is like perfect. That is great. a perfect analogy. You, just, you played the pentatonic scale for an hour. Thank you, sir. I felt nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like you, 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 you get this knowledge to sort of do something with this knowledge. Right. But if you just have the knowledge and you do nothing with it, right. It's worthless. That, <laughs> you know, that it's, intangible. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Mike would be like the Eric Clapton of, uh, <laughs> you know, of the monitor world. There you go. Very cool. But yeah, um, you know, Robert was saying they're unlike any monitor that he'd ever owned. Um, yeah, I just look forward to uh, to working with them. And, you know, I had the one climb down on them, put my hand in there and it sort of climbed on my hand and. You know, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Just, little tongues coming out like, oh, what's so this thing? Yeah, I mean, for the people that don't understand the lizard thing, yeah, that's one of the big differences right there. You know, like, yeah, you can have a snake that crawls out of the enclosure when you open the door, but it's not coming to see you. Yeah. <laughs> In most cases, <laughs> it'll go right past you and find yeah. the door. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> there's a difference right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, yeah, like I said, I look forward to sort of um you know, seeing what happens when I put snakes in more of a naturalistic type of enclosure type of thing to see if I see certain activity. Cause I'm sure I'll, I, I am sure that I'll go goo goo gaga over them as well, but there's, there's just something about the monitor. I don't know. It's like having a little dinosaur or something, man. It's hundred percent. I don't yeah. know. It's Every time I'm at, at work now, I, at, I spend at least an hour of the day with an Aki on my shoulder or my head because I can't do it at home yet. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I even got the blue tongue skink, which is, that's a whole different thing. You know, um, I didn't think in a million years that if you listen to early NPRs, I, um, you know, Zach Bias was always trying to talk me into getting uh, blue tongue skinks and I just didn't get it. Cause I'm like, well, it's got these tiny little legs. Why don't you just have a snake and get rid of the legs? You know, like why? But yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just cool. It's just, I, you know, it might be the variety, having the little variety of things and all. And I just look forward to building like some naturalistic enclosures and having that be like a zoo in my house, so to speak, yes. you know, and being able Absolutely. to just sit back and watch. I, I literally like last night, um, I just sat here and just watched them for probably close to an hour. Alan Stevens is here. Oh, what's up, Stevens? <laughs> yeah, he had a plan, man. Everybody I don't smelled know. monitors in the air today. Yeah, they, they, they want to hear what I have to say about the monitors. Um, well, that's why we have a monitor podcast, so I don't have to do a monitor podcast. I can just yes. sort of uh, listen to the monitor podcast and Speaking listen to these guys. Mr. Stevens. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> if you haven't checked out the uh, the Monitor Keeping podcast, you should definitely uh, take a listen. The last episode they did with Ron St. Pierre, freaking fabulous. First of all, I love Ron St. Pierre. He's awesome. And they got into the into the into the weeds, man. They could they they got in there, man. You know, and it's like, um, yeah, it was it was just awesome. They uh, nice. they t- talk about all my favorites, you know, Bell's phase, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, Australian monitors and stuff. And and Ron keeps outside and uh, some mm-hmm. of the challenges that are associated with that. And you know, uh, just yeah, real cool stuff, man. Real real cool stuff. And it, I didn't know this, but um, Ron has the setup where it's like. His back porch sort of overlooks. He has, I, th- I want to say, they were ten feet long. His what? his um, his monitor cage that he has, where the bells bells are, um, and, well, laces and bells. I guess he mm-hmm. keeps them all together, and um, he just can go out there and watch them. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I need to listen to that one. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Ron is, is super fun to listen to. Yeah. Uh, he was on for her history, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah the, the some of the stories were just priceless. <laughs> so good. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is hard to believe that same guy is the guy that did the, you know, he he imported all kinds of stuff. He's worked with all different kinds of you know stuff, and just just really a wealth of knowledge and experience of of herpetoculture. Um, sure. And that's the cool thing that uh, I mean, you you might be experiencing this working at the shop, but like. Um, I feel like exposing myself to other reptiles sort of opens up the, that community, if you will, you know, and you're like, Oh, there's another community in the reptile. World. Oh, wait, there's an, you know, so. Yeah. hundred percent. I'd say that that happens more for me with the podcasting than the shop, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I know. okay, I kind of try not to talk to customers when possible. So. Yeah. <laughs> They were crazy today, man. I don't know what was going on. That's, it's not a full moon, but man, I had the crazies uh-oh. out today. Woo. Really? Oh my god! Did you have to? Did you have to kick anybody out? <laughs> uh, yeah, two two people. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People are crazy, especially I know, when man. they're trying to get their freaking potato chips and toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, man. So monitors. Oh. Never thought uh, I would be here. Yeah, <laughs> enjoying it. But I think it's awesome. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I know everybody thinks I'm going to give up my carpets and all this stuff, but carpets are always going to be my favorite. There's nothing can replace carpet pythons for me. You know, I just, yeah. you know, I, I, I see myself moving maybe away from the morphs more and more, but uh, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. Carpet pythons are top notch you know <laughs> I sure. don't, I don't. well it's completely different you know it's yeah like, it, it's it's this and not this or <laughs> yeah yeah and what's funny is like in the early days owen was more of the monitor guy like, right. he had all kind of monitors in his house <laughs> and i'm like what are you doing man why would you do this <laughs> that's right when i was editing the part two of touring owen's house there were monitors and i was like what yeah because <laughs> yeah. that had been a few years but i know it's so funny so funny yeah. how all that changes yeah but yeah. uh cool stuff well so, i've been going down a uh freaking salamander loophole oh yeah like for school but 
it you know it's still fun it's like hours of my day reading about hellbenders (laughs) (laughs) there you go those are some crazy animals i'll tell you what yeah me and owen went looking for them um once yeah any Mm. luck no (laughs) no no the uh the coolest part about those for me is just they're they're literally ancient. Like they are dinosaurs. Their their scientific name has crypto in it for Christ's sake. Like <laughs> it's so cool. But uh yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Zach's classes is a butt kicker, but I'm learning so much about yeah. herpetology. <laughs> so like what is like what 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 do you give me a give me an inside look into what it's like to go to class for herpetology? <laughs> for, like, what, what's, what's a class like? What's so, what's it like? Zach is structuring his herpetology class uh, with weekly lectures and assigned journal article readings. But then the overarching thing that is what's kicking my butt so much is each uh, unit, right? Like anurins and then caudates, a frog, salamanders, each one of those, there's a test that's like it's released at the beginning beginning not at the end so you have to work on it a little bit at a time the entire time for like right. a month but it's it's basically just a bunch of essay questions that okay. have nothing to do with the lectures you have to go find all the right articles to address it oh um, okay and, you know cite primary lit so that's kind of that's that's the that's the butt kicker. So what is the goal of that to sort of just get you to be able to learn how to research that and then sort of put your theories out there on a particular topic? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think he just wants people to like learn by needing to actually find the information themselves instead of spoon feeding it to us. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but it's cool. You know, it's structured. There's like a taxonomy question, a husbandry question, conservation question, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay. you know, it, in, in, in Loafman, we trust, I know that <laughs> he has a, a reason for the, the madness, but <laughs> yeah, he's such an awesome guy, man. He's so yes. like, uh, he seems so chill. I don't know if that's the right word, but he's like, just got it. Yeah. He, he's, he's, Got no a really, ego. yeah, very down to earth, but yeah. also like he should have an ego, but yes. he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't make you feel dumb when you talk to him. I guess you know what I mean. Like when I'm talking to him, I don't feel hundred percent stupid. You know, right? That whole quote ivory tower thing. He doesn't have a drop of that in him. Um, yeah, and you know, just from talking to him, it sounds like he has really had to kind of scratch and claw his way to where he's at with his PhD and, and whatnot, you know, like he, 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 at least, yeah, like a lot of things didn't work out for him and he had to try, try, try again. Right. So I think that he has really good perspective on, um, kind of the educational pursuit. Plus he's just a hobbyist. So he understands like just the passion for animals outside of academia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and he's also going to send me another falsy, so I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> how are you liking them, man? How, how are they you are so them? fun. Um, if somebody put a gun to my head and said I had to choose between them and one of the other species I have here, the Aussie stuff, I I would actually have a really hard time. Um, oh wow! Okay, they are so freaking cool. And now the female is kind of in her terrible twos, uh, which apparently they have which is hilarious and uh (laughs) she slams she body slams the glass 
right. anytime I'm around at night now. Um, she's smart enough to know not during the day, but food comes at night. Right. Uh, I only feed at night. So, but it's not like a headbutt or or a strike or anything. She literally body slams it with like her, <laughs> her, oh, wow. her front half on the ventral. And it, it's so cool. Um, That's yeah. Awesome. And you know how you try to hook train things and tap train mm-hmm. things to avoid food bites. Mm-hmm. What's really fun about the falsies, especially the female from Zach, is that when I tap her, she taps back. She swings around and tail whips the hook. <laughs> and she oh, really? The, yeah, she hits the hook back. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you don't get that from anything else. Is they're, they're like a sassy species and they know it. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But when she's out, she's she's totally chill. I, I still have not um, had any issues with, with being bit. So that's good because, you know, rear fanged, yada, yada. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. I saw them at Owens and I was, um, I thought they were cool looking, but I don't know. I don't know what it is about colubrids in me. It's just like, I don't know. You know, I think I force myself not to like, like them too much so that I, I, you know what I mean? Like I just say, oh, it's not from Australia. I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Maybe when they're six to eight feet and, 10 to 11 pounds and calm down a little bit, maybe then it'll be different. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, beautiful, beautiful snakes. I mean, yeah, just really cool. And the fact that, you know, they kind of hood up and all that kind of stuff is, is really cool. It seemed, they seem to be like, they've sort of like got uh, somewhat pretty popular over the past. For sure. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, snake discovery and Clint. They both have put out a lot of false water cobra videos and, you know, millions of people see that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Probably had something to do with it, but yeah, Uh, that'll do it. it. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So false water cobras for the win Uh, all day. Um, As long as you're okay dealing with some very foul excrement, then you're good. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably my thing, man. I just, I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. Getting smeared with uh, snakes goo. <laughs> it's not my uh, form of fun, but you know, hey, whatever. We're, yeah, their turds kind of smell like a like python regurge, you know. Ooh. Like, <laughs> it's potent. Ooh. Um, but you know, like that's not the worst for me. Like it just forces me to be on my toes with cleaning, which I should be anyway, because yeah. I sleep here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no turd gets left of scooped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Monitor poo. I remember when I was younger, my dad had uh he had a couple Nile monitors and a savannah monitor, and you know, he had this big uh like um he had like a kid pool. And it was sort of like uh, he had a filter in it and whatnot. But man, this is back in the '80s, so you know the My filters favorite. today. <laughs> the filters today are probably not the best. But uh, anyway, I remember when I had to clean that. Oh, dude, it smells so bad. <laughs> like I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. It's like suck yeah. it up, kid. <laughs> oh, was, man. Uh... It was either no, yeah, it was the water monitor. There was a there was an incident with water monitor poop that kind of gassed out the vivarium a couple weeks ago. We all had oh to really? Take, we all had to take a few seconds outside. That yeah, it can be. <laughs> we can need be a pretty break. foul. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. But so can like retic poop. You know. 
Yeah. If it's uh, stagnant for long enough. I mean, it's just poops, poop. You know, we don't, we don't yeah, want any of that. No, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got one for it. So um, I was, uh, so now that I'm going into, uh, we're coming into the fall. Now's when for my carpet pythons, I sort of start to pick out what I'm going to breed. Yes. And I start to sort of put the food to those females and, you know, hammer them away. And, you know, they, they really, I don't feed them through like the heat of the summer. Maybe every once in a while, I'll throw them a small rat or a mouse. Um, I found that, um, I've been feeding, like I've been going back and forth between, um, mice and like a large mouse and a small rat or a medium rat, depending on what, you know, the size of the female or whatever. But, um, I, I put, I went, fed them. And of course you smell the smell that the snake didn't eat the the rat. So I, yeah. I come downstairs and I'm like, huh, I wonder why I didn't eat it. So I opened the, you know, open the thing and I'm looking at it and I was like, okay, let me go grab my tongs. And I guess because I was moving, the snake decided that it was going to eat this, this rat. And I'm like, oh no, no, this is not going to be good. And I'm like, ah, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it go and see what happens. And of course it regurged that rat, which yeah, even smelled rat worse. Gnarly. You know, and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, it's horrible. A, uh, double fermented. Yeah, man. It was, it was nasty. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, this, this is the time of year where I sort of go through and sort of. Right pick what's what and and so now this time around you're act this is your every other year you're gonna breed stuff this time yeah yeah so what are we looking at what's the story so i think probably the one i'm there's probably two i'm most excited about one would be inland carpets um nice. yeah jeremy it was horrible man my <laughs> wife was not happy <laughs> She was not happy. Uh, I wouldn't be either. <laughs> no, I wasn't happy either, but you know, it is what it is. But uh, inland carpets, that's a big one for me. I want to try to tick them off. Diamond pythons, that's uh, that's another one that I'm sort of trying to uh, to, to tick off and uh, hopefully get something out of it. Um, and the Yakapuri Depot Russian tigers, if you will, whatever you want to call them. Chicken yakitori carpets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope to get them to go. So that's a joint pairing with me and Owen. Owen uh, nice. sent me the mail. I have a female. The line sort of disappeared. For people that don't know, they were a coastal carpet python that came from a Russian zoo, which is why they're called Russian tigers. Hmm. Um, they come... They come from a locality called Yakapuri Depot, uh, which is uh, in Queensland, um, more towards Very Brisbane. Cool. So they're like a southern uh, ranging coastal carpet. And they seem to throw really nice stripes. They throw red babies. Uh, right. They throw normal ones. And um, they grow up to be amazing animals. Uh, just really crazy killer, amazing snakes. So when folks hear uh, Russian red, that is in reference to Yakapori Depot stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to show you the. So this is the male. 
which what's not to love about that? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dang. That's pretty nuts. <laughs> I love all the peppering. I love the stripe. Um, so I love the color. You know, I yeah. love all that uh, tipping inside the the saddles. You can see where the saddles are starting to connect. Um, a couple things. One, I think it's a great project to sort of outcross. You know, we talk a lot about outcrossing. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, carpet pythons and how we might run into a wall at some point. But um, yeah. to me, this is the perfect project to sort of uh, outcross tigers with, you know, in my for opinion. sure. Yeah. I mean, check out that stripe. I mean, that that was a gorgeous animal. Um, and, and you're it, right. I, 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 there's no doubt that there is going to be a wall at some point. So we should try to consider these things and have a plan for yeah. how to address that. <laughs> and that's my uh, female. So nice. That's the pair. Uh, of course, <laughs> look at the difference in size between my carpets and Owen's carpets. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Owen. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's proportional. <laughs> yeah. She's a screamer. He's a screamer. I like all this pepper and stuff. And I did have um I did produce these um red tigers from Balin. Um and I thought it would um it was from his uh original red thing that he was doing um and i thought that that would be a good uh project to sort of outcross um again outcross and uh, them with so i don't know i'm uh I very it's, cool it's cool stuff so. yeah that's awesome i'm so excited to uh to see how that all goes and i i do really hope you produce inlands because that would be yeah strange. man <laughs> Yeah, I get I, inlands. <clears throat> you know, I think I, I I heard somebody talking about this, and I, you know, I don't think I talk about it enough. But um, I can't remember. There's so many podcasts, I can't remember which uh, who who it was <laughs> or who said it or whatever. But um, the one thing about inland carpets is, to me, they make they're the perfect pet python, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And the reason is is because they're super chill, right? They're blue. <laughs> um and they don't get as big as brettles mm-hmm. but they have that same sort of personality and that same sort of uh ability to sort of be able to withstand a lot of keeper error right um you know they can pretty much adapt to whatever is going on uh, so if you kind of come close to it i think that they would make beautiful display animals they're not shy at all you know you could get a really nice uh enclosure going and uh what's up brandon i also got a uh speaking of brandon i also got a brisbane mail uh from brandon that came along with the kimberly rocks oh sweet sorry the brisbane mail didn't get as much attention as the kimberly no, not nearly. But, <laughs> but it's still a beautiful animal and uh yeah brandon uh he, he sent that one out so that's awesome very cool yeah but uh, in terms of the inlands, I, I completely agree. Um, I think that's spot on. And I think people are starting to realize that just based on the fact that you can't freaking find one for the most part. Yeah. You well, know? you know, there's not a I don't think there's a lot of people in the U.S. that even really right. breed them. I mean, it's well, Nick, the Justin. It's Nick, Justin, uh, 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 who's the guy that Riley got some from? I'm blanking. Oh, did he? But he did. He point, get it from Todd. Todd, I think. Uh, right can't remember but that you know that just that's, that's three guys <laughs> that's to your point <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they're they're so cool i can't wait till uh 
my pair gets a little bit more size. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, nice. Yes. This is my Brennan. first year trying. Yeah. Brennan is, uh, if this got is, three pairs. If this is the Brennan, I think it is, uh, one of my grad student, uh, peers, Alec, he and Brennan work on inlands together. So that's, yeah, forgot that. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, just really, really, really awesome carpets, you know, um, I would want the blue and rust colored inlands. Yeah. Like the ones Tim Tyndall has. <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 I don't know if I have it handy. Um, but I know I have to have it somewhere. Uh, doo -doo. Nice. What's up, Brennan? It is the Brennan. <laughs> it is? Okay. Yes. Cool. Are they working with a specific line or just a mix of? Uh... I think so. Yeah. Uh, Brennan, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I guess I, I should have sent that question towards you, <laughs> Brennan. Yeah. But, uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure they have some, some animals from Jewlander. Um, okay. So, Brett Bender, y'all need to do this earlier. Cutting into my pool time. Why not pool. both? Pool time? <laughs> Why not uh, carpets and coffee at the pool? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah, Riley was super busy today. So in case people are asking, uh, where's Riley at? Um, yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. Of course, I can't find this picture when I. Okay. Um, all two and a half lines. So do with that as you will. <laughs> all to. Here's. This is my. Yeah. This is my mail that's going. I'm hoping that. Uh, I can get the red to really pop. See all that red that's in there? Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Maug line, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Friday night happy hour. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, but right. yeah. Claws out. <laughs> White claw. So yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's that's a cool, cool looking one. I love that red that comes in and hopefully uh I yeah. can I can reproduce that so fingers crossed yeah so I got uh, I got a pair of both lines but uh, I think I'm going to just try the one the mog this year and then see what happens with that red and then I'm gonna try to out cross it back to the Schofield line to okay. sort of mix it up I had a mail from Justin's stuff but I, mm -hmm. I think at some point I'll probably pick up a, another one when he produces some again from that. Yeah. Uh, Cause he has one that I think he came from our line. Yeah. He's got a mail. I think it's the mail that came from, um, from France. Right. I would love to get my hands on something from that for sure. Cause uh, the ones I'm working with are Schofield outcross from Nick. Um, so I don't have any of the, the Moog's Moog stuff, but, I would love to add it someday. Very reliably good looking. Yeah. 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 It's they, they definitely have two different looks. Um, it seems like to me from, from at least what I've seen is the Mog seems to sort of have more striping, whereas the Schofield has more of those, uh, I don't want to say circles, but they're sort of like that sort of like that saddle circle pattern type of thing. Sure. And uh, this is the, this is the 
tiger that I held back that I produced that I was going to eventually outcross with the uh, 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 Yakapuri Depot. But okay, nice. Yeah, sort of yep. has that tipping that came in, and I like that stripe that kind of goes down the middle. Hundred percent. That seems like it'd be really compatible. That'd be yeah. cool. So. Good Hell stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe I can produce highlighter line jungles this year. <laughs> yeah, man. That jungle you those jungles you got are smoking, man. They're I love great. them, but they won't stop dumping their water bowls. I'm like, God damn it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, part of the problem is that they're in like quarantine rack. Yeah, right. Right. So yeah, right. they'll have more space eventually. But uh yeah, yeah, it's driving me nuts. I'm like changing their substrate every day because it's just soaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a pain in the ass when you got to do that constantly but yeah uh and then i think my only other cool pairing that uh, i'm lo really looking excited excited is uh the poison ivy stuff so um awesome i'm gonna do uh hopefully sib to sib to see what happens um i don't know we'll see maybe uh very cool hatch out a all black pop one carpet which would be pretty badass, but uh, we shall see. So, certainly possible. Should. Yeah, you know, I know Nick sort of has like a, a, a high melanistic jungle project. I think Paul has one too. Where um, back in the day, in the MP days, um, there was a couple people that were working on that. Uh, I think for jungle wise, for me, I'm sort of gonna work on stripes and trying to make a really refined stripe with that solid black mm -hmm. you know and solid yellow type of thing so nice i probably won't be able to complete it until <laughs> i'm 60 or something like that i'd be like okay <laughs> uh but well that's you know that's the most rewarding kind of project right <laughs> yeah so what about you, man? Are you getting ready for breeding season? I know you just, you know, finished up and you still got babies <laughs> you got to eat and all. I but... know, like I've only had babies for like weeks at this point. I'm like, what do you mean we do this again? Um, but uh, no, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I messaged you guys because I like just went back and started re-listening to like just the annual how to breed carpet python episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because now I have to figure out how to do something that's actually a winter breeder because <laughs> i've only dealt with brittles um so that'll be different i'll have to kind of plan on doing things differently for them um but in terms of the of the stuff that i want to try this upcoming season it'll be those jungles it'll be uh repeat brittle stuff for the thesis um and then I guess Owens Womas if they ever get here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, they, uh, so I guess my advice for carpet python breeding for jungles and stuff would be, I follow the holidays. Right. And, uh, you know, it's come Halloween. That's when I stop feeding come Thanksgiving. That's when I start to cool after they've emptied out. Come Christmas, that's when I put them together. <laughs> so just follow the holidays, man. You'll be fine. Uh, I'll I'll do that. Yeah, because that that'll be fun. I'll have more to do at different times. Because I stuck with Nick's calendar for the Brettles just yeah. to keep it constant for them, and I don't even really start deep cooling them until like 
December, January, February. So it's, uh, you know, everybody else was a lot earlier than I was, even with Brettles. So it'll be cool to have something that I'm actively, you know, cycling yeah. in the fall. Um, My advice would be that if you're going to, so I've tweaked this a little bit over the years when it comes to Carpa Python breeding. And if you notice that it's not cool outside, I would not even waste time. I would just keep feeding them. Yeah. And then once it starts to cool down, like what, what is the, in the winter? Well, in the fall or in the winter, like what is a low for you guys out there on the West coast? Well, so, well, that's an interesting point because our seasons are kind of shifting. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about this before, but yeah. you know, the whole Indian summer thing we have where I'm at in the Bay area, like the hottest months used to be like August and maybe uh-huh. late into September. But now it's like the fires get bad in September and it's hot until the end of October right. <laughs> and into November. So, right. um, you know, it doesn't really start to actually get cooler. It seems until December, most of the time at this point. And, um, yeah, I mean, nighttime lows are, uh, 50? high forties, High 40s, 50s? 50s. Yeah. I I had a few nights in the low 40s last year, which, you know, I took full advantage of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the probably the do you get a lot of precipitation in the in the winter and fall? No, no, not since I was a little kid because we're in a 20 year drought. (laughs) Okay, All right. Apparently Uh, it rained a ton when I was a baby. My mom was telling (laughs) me all about it, but I don't know what that's like. Yeah, it's, uh, I would uh, definitely, I, I think, I think once you start getting your cycle going and what's interesting is I remember when, when Nick, I think I want to say it was in 2009, he was on reptile radio and he was talking about, it was an El Nino year mm-hmm. and it was interesting where the West coast carpet Python breeders had a shit season, but the East coast had an amazing season and then it flipped and now you know it just seems like if the people that are around me and owen up here on the east coast north like in the northeast we seem to like you'll still get clutches but like you really nail it at a certain point um you'll just see everybody around you is like clutch 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 (laughs) clutch clutch you know that's Um, very interesting i mean maybe something to do with like barometric pressure and, and yeah, larger so. systems that we can't really perceive. Yeah. And I, I think, I think one of the advantages that we have here on the East coast is number one, it does, I mean, like during the winter, our lows are like twenties, <laughs> right? Know? Yeah. Thirties <laughs> cold. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So we got that to our advantage. So your room just naturally drops. And then, you know, we also have uh, the whole snow thing, you know, so precipitation is precipitation man it doesn't matter what kind it is you know yeah, but yeah that's a good point they just they lock up right away but you know to to your point like it used to be that i would start i would stop feeding october 1st okay and then i would start to drop temps on halloween right and i would start pairing on thanksgiving and i was probably like come january i would start to see eggs from ijs and stuff like that that's crazy <laughs> but um that's sort of been pushed back because you know we've had for the past maybe 5 
four or five years, we've had, you know, shit, man. It got like in the seventies at Christmas. It's yep. like hundred <laughs> percent. Global warming isn't a thing, though. No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle that today. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God damn it. You know? Yeah. But well, uh, I should say climate change, right? It's like global go, right. warming. Yes. Anymore. The yeah. extremes become more extreme. It doesn't all get hotter. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it Well, goes. that's interesting. Yeah. If I did follow the holidays, it would essentially be just doing everything about a month earlier than I did yeah. for the brettles, which, right. you know, that that's easy enough. And I don't mind having it staggered. I think that would actually be fun because I like to be doing things. So when nothing's yeah. like right now, I'm like the baby thing is starting to wear off. You know, there's not really much for me to do at this point except wait and feed. Right. So I'm like kind of like, like I want to be actively participating in something again. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you get those, that, that, that breed that first breeding under your belt man it's it's very uh it's very addictive sure. for sure you know yeah yeah and you see that little little snake pipping out of the egg i can't imagine what it's oh. like to hatch out monitors dude like what the hell oh, right <laughs> yeah that you wait like twice as long more than twice as long in some cases right so uh, yeah yeah but you know seeing that little you know that little jurassic park yes. popping out of the it is day. it would it would feel literally like John Hammond watching the little velociraptor <laughs> come out. And like, I insist on being here for the birth of every animal on this island. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come on. Um, come on. <laughs> so but yeah, I think uh I, I think I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna do too many pairings, but there's a lot that I could do, I guess. But uh for sure. I don't know. I we'll hope see. that I can run um Owen's male to both his female and the girl I have that uh, she she might be big enough. Right. Yeah. That'd be cool. It'd be cool to do Wilma's. But this is probably the year before the year, if we're honest. But I'll give it a shot. So what's your approach going to be with them? When are you going to do them? Winter or Well, it spring? depends when Owen ships. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Okay, fair enough. But uh, Damn it, Owen. You know, it, it's a good question. Just because they're not here yet, I haven't really brought right. it out. They're kind of out of sight, out of mind at the moment. But I'll probably give Grant and Riley a call and see what they did because, you know, they're fairly close by me geographically yeah. and they had a great season last year. So, yeah, It'd be a good place to start. Yeah, I think that my advice to breeders would be it doesn't matter what species you are, but find people that are local to you mm -hmm. because they're going to have a better feel for how you sort of um you know you know it's sort of like we, we we talk about it as like it's a formula like you're baking a cake but you know you sort of have to be able to sort of read the signs and like i think right. a lot of times it's hard to sort of document those signs that you you just know yes. as soon as you see you know you're like oh 100%. okay this is what's going on you know i had a few moments of that that just this first go around that that was very like uh, exciting where like I saw something, you know, like maybe a male being super active and like pushing hard to get out at a time when he's usually just sleeping in the back, throw them in right. a girl and they lock up, you know, like when something like that happens where you're kind of reading the situation more, not reading the instructions yeah. on the piece of paper that it's yes. so cool when it works. Yeah. Um, the same thing when I tried the car trick and drove all the males around the block for fun, 
uh, that works too. So (laughs) (laughs) I love that trick. (laughs) I know I had to do it. Like I had already seen everybody lock up a few times, but I had to do it just for the sake of doing it because it's so hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. I wonder what that is. Like, I wonder, (laughs) it's weird because if you ship snakes Mm -hmm. and you try to breed them or whatever, you know, uh, sometimes that's it, not going to happen because they're not settled in or whatever, but you take them on a car ride <laughs> and they're like, okay, right. we'll do this. It's really weird. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with like a comfortable state in their home enclosure. You take uh-huh. them out of that, give them a big shot of cortisol and stress, stuffing them in a pillowcase and driving them around. And right. then when they're, back home right maybe just that drop in the in the stress level like ah i know where i am this is comfortable maybe that like spurs them on maybe they just feel really good about it for a second (laughs) (laughs) right like okay i better (laughs) it's like yeah that feeling of ecstasy after surviving a near-death experience i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah you might be right i don't know that's who knows (laughs) but uh hey what's up ian I almost died. I know what I need to do now. (laughs) So Robert sort of approaches. Now he's right. He's in Pennsylvania. So I I would probably approach, you know, pick his brain uh, for for breeding walnuts. I probably will be next. Not the the 20. So this will be 20. So 2023 is uh, when uh, I'll be trying walnuts. And that's now I know Keith's Woma. That's what yeah. I was going to say. I know you had at least the one from Keith. You have a pair from Keith? I only had no. I have okay. two point two, um, and I have a uh, I have one from Brett. Okay. I have a female that came from Art. Uh, what's his last name? Avils. Yeah, yeah. Who had some of the most amazing Walmas in the U S and I tried to, I tried to get him on NPR so many times, man, it's so close. He was going to do it. And then he's just like, ah, no, it's just like, I don't think I can share anything. And like, oh man, it's so frustrating. I want to get in contact with him too. Cause I think he's nearby. He used to work at the vivarium. Yeah. Um, He's a nice, he's he's an awesome guy and God damn, man, I hope he's still doing Walmas because he was like really the only person in the U S I guess really Brett sort of taken on that, you know, I guess you and Brett will be the ones that sort of run with that torch, but, um, Brett kills me, man. (laughs) Every picture he sends to the chat makes me like cry. (laughs) Yeah. He has some amazing ones. That's why I had to make sure I got one from Brett for sure. So I I got one. Has some really good stuff too. I think he has some from art. Yeah. 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 And, uh, the one from Keith is a Miller line. Uh, Barry Miller line and the male I have from art came from that. And then the female I have from art uh, was unrelated to anything in the U S so. Wow. So pretty cool. Yeah. Well, let me know how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Womas are, uh, I don't know. They're just so different and yeah, I'd like to get a, uh, that whole, I would like to see that excavating uh, mm-hmm. activity, you know, see them doing that. But uh, it's awesome. Yeah. The blackhead that's in front of me right now that's under my computer does that pretty often. So, like, 
I put some big rocks in there. You remember I sent the thing to the chat? I was like, look, I got this big bucket of free rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So I used them and he likes to dig under them, which is really cool to see. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Little, little excavator. So here's the question that I often pose. Like, is there anything that you're looking to add? Add. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> in tw in the next year. Like, is there anything that you got your hopes that somebody's going to produce that you're going to be able to? Well, so because I have a problem. Besides inlands. <laughs> yeah. Because I have a problem, I could answer that two ways. There's the things that I want to add that I already know I'm adding, <laughs> but I just haven't done it yet. Uh, male Ruffy. Um <laughs> Do, do, do. What's the other one? Uh, oh, yeah. The pair of Wamina scrubs. Okay. Nick. You know, yeah. those are the things. And then Kimberly Rocks. Those are the things that are in motion, but they're not here yet. Right. But then completely out of left field, things that are not at all concrete plans yet that I would like to become that. Eastern Indigos. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Eastern Indigos. I sh yeah. I, <clears throat> I shouldn't get ahead of myself, but... That would be cool. Yes. Imbracada. Well, yeah, but we, yeah, of course, but we can't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day. I don't know. I never thought I'd have a roughie, and I do. So, yes. you know, but yeah, Eastern Indigo, man. That's cool. That they're cool. I would love, I would love to work with them. I, we have a few at work, and I freaking love them. They're so cool. <laughs> so, how do you sell them at work? Do you have to uh, have the. Um, oh, okay. You just have just them as pair. some. Okay. Yeah, just a pair in the back um, that are you know uh, breeders for the shop. Um, that oh what hello Brennan Loafman will send me a Kribo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to call Zach. Never mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we we haven't produced them yet during the last few years to have to deal with selling them, but hopefully that's something we can do in the next couple of years, um, we're raising up a female. I think they're both from black Pearl. Um, okay. But yeah, it does get complicated. You do need permits to cross state lines with yeah. those. Um, so that is a, a part of it that, you know, a complicating factor, but man, talk about a big intelligent snake that, uh, just they're impressive. Man. Feels different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If I was going to have a North American colubrid, I've toyed with the idea of that many times, you know, and Owen's just there like egging me on, like, do it, man, do it, you know, because <laughs> I was looking to set something up in my, in my, like, I guess, I don't know, my rec room or whatever you would call that's like right outside this room. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it gets cold in there during the winter. Um, so I, I was trying to think of what I could put there not thinking about the diamond pythons, just like move them there, you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. just put them there. That totally but, uh, makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, again, colubrids, if you're going to do colubrids, I feel like you as someone that loves the same things as me would probably <laughs> like the big smart ones more than yeah. like the little musky poopy ones. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I those and uh, I also, I mean, just the I, I would love to see one in the wild as well. I mean, just I remember when I was a kid looking at, um, I think the book was called like it was a TFH book and it was like how to keep snakes or something like that. 
and they had an indigo in there and i was just like it was a it was a rainbow boa uh, an indigo and there was another one that uh you know uh i can't remember the other oh burmese python duh Burms. <laughs> <laughs> that i'm just like snake. yeah yeah i know it's crazy that uh well it's actually my third snake, but my first real snake. Okay. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> garter snake. I went garter snake, rat snake, Burmese python. <laughs> Easy. That's how we did it in the 80s. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, it could have been a freaking cotton mouth or something. So you didn't do that bad. <laughs> Had them too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it For used sure. to. So it's weird. My dad had, um, he had a cotton mouth. And he used to feed it hot dogs. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you feeding hot dog? I don't know. I just, it ate the hot dog. I'm just like, okay. And at the time <laughs> it didn't really make sense, but they eat like a lot of like, uh, you know, dead, dead crap, right? Yeah. Dead yeah. crap. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. The hot dog is dead crap. So it kind of goes in. Uh, goes Plus in all the life. nitrites. and <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure that's else. just fabulous for a reptile. Yeah. You know, like they'll have no time, no hard time digesting that. Um, pretty dang cool though. Yeah. Yeah. They were cool. Um, yeah, very cool, but no, I was, no, uh, no venomous. No, no, no venomous. I'm not legally allowed to do venomous, but when I, uh, when I'm servicing snakes that are up in the office at the vivarium, that's where the pair of albino, uh, Aatrox are now. So I've ah, been cool. spending a few hours a week just listening to them hate me and it's, it's pretty cool. Right. So, to be in the vicinity of an animal like that. I don't mess with them, but right. It's so cool to watch them and they watch you back mm -hmm. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah it, it, I think that was the first venomous that my dad got was a, was a Western diamondback Aatrox. And, um, I just remember being, I couldn't believe that they were in our house, you know, like, I'm just like, mom, dad's <laughs> lost his mind. <laughs> He's just down there. Like, check this out. I got two Western diamondbacks. And I'm just like, what? He's like, how cool is this? You know? And he like, uh, he was good at do DYI stuff. And he had like these shift boxes that he could get them to go into lock it from the outside. And, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool cool snakes for sure yeah um, i guess uh my addition would be yes. the big addition for me is i'd really like to get and this is outside the box man i'd really like yeah. to add amy i okay cool yeah i'd like to get uh get i think geckos going a couple geckos and i'd like to do a couple strafurus uh enclosures like naturalistic stuff um, it's really not that out of the box i feel like it's the natural next progression for you yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it kind of is right yeah um, you've already got legs so now we'll get small legs yeah <laughs> or smaller yeah. and i think uh i think next year i'm gonna try to add blackheads Okay. I think that's going to be like the big, unless, you know, Justin produces the thing that I most, I don't want to put his thing out there, but right. you, you know what I'm talking about. I think if I he, do. If yeah. he produces those, I will, I'll do whatever you want, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, funny you say that because I hope Justin produces from his Western blackheads because yeah. his yeah. pair is freaking gorgeous and yeah, man. i would do whatever you want justin for that yeah. <laughs> like, we can put a package together no yeah. worries my friend 
We will, we will pay for your herping you trip just, your vacation to Australia with no problem. I was just going to say we both need to show up in Utah together, but I like your idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, and you know, that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about. I'm hoping, uh, you know, I don't know who knows, but yeah, I think that to would get be back very to, cool to get back to Australia, you know? Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's, 100%. that's what I'm most excited about. I think, uh, I'm pretty, pretty much as far as pythons go, there's just a couple of things I'd like to, to add. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm about to get some pygmies from Justin, some pygmy pythons. Um, Sweet. so that'd be cool. I know yeah. they're, they're, they're cool, I, I, but I know they're a pain in the ass to, if you're breeding them and getting right. them going and all that stuff, but for sure, yeah, I don't I, even really care about breeding them. For sure. Yeah. They're one of those ones that are just kind of fascinating based on the fact that they're the size of a worm, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Justin's like holding them in his hand with the whole clutch in his hand. It's just yeah. pretty cool. You know? I feel that though. I, as soon as I pair up my, my roughie with a male, I, I feel pretty good about where I'm at Python wise, which is, which is nice. It's a good feeling. We'll see how long it lasts, but <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Owen was here what uh, last week. He, he stopped by to pick up his mic and whatnot and all that stuff. So we were going through, but um, I think uh, I got a, a big group of snakes that, you know, I usually give to him if he's going to go do a show and he can either, it's like one of those things like, look, dude, just give me like, if he sells a snake for a hundred bucks, give me 10, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, and, and, you know, you're doing the legwork or whatever, but here's the deal. I don't want them back. <laughs> you for know, sure. so yeah. you're, they're yours now. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can start to, I've had a couple, uh, issues with the house where I've had to sort of like, uh, put on hold my expansion of my reptile room, but, um, hopefully that'll start to come now that I can start to work on naturalistic enclosures and stuff like that. I think, uh, I'm looking forward to that, man. That's going to be, uh, some cool stuff. So absolutely. I, I kind of want to like pick your brain and learn from you while you're doing that too. And, and start doing yeah. it here myself, you know, we, we can bounce ideas off each other with that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I use that. I haven't used it yet, but, um, I, I don't know what I'm afraid of with using this, but, uh, the zoopoxy from Mike. Okay. So, uh, that stuff is just amazing. Just amazing shit. Is and, that uh, a, I'm not familiar. Is it a foam or is it like a, like a sealant kind of thing? It's, uh, I guess it, it's sort of like, I guess it's like a sealant type of thing. Okay. It's kind of like, I guess it's similar to like, it's not a foam, but it's similar to like what you would do with that. You know, you would sort of like, I I've seen people like make, you know, like trees out of the shit and wow. like all kinds of stuff. Let me see if I can, I go to the face. It's carvable just, once it's set. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. neat. Yeah, because yeah. I've been looking at that, the great stuff. Phone. What's up, Jason? Yeah, um, I've messed with that a bit, um, you know, and I would, I would recommend uh, where I sort of started with this stuff. There's, there's three Australian guys that sort of really do a great job with, uh, with this. Is uh, one is um, Cam's Custom Backgrounds, dude. The diamond python cage that he made. I think I showed you guys yeah. in, the, in our chat or whatever, but holy hell, man, you just look at for cams, custom backgrounds on YouTube and look up his diamond Python enclosure. God damn, man. Like <laughs> you're just like, Oh, that's, 
I could just watch the diamond Python all night, you know, For that sure. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously Luke beach of right. scaly beast. He does some amazing stuff and he's, he's, he's sort of like, I've watched him evolve over like even just the past six months. And like some of the shit that he's doing is uh, yeah, it's epoxy. Yeah. See epoxy. I, what do I know? <laughs> I don't know anything, man. I, I'm not good with that shit, but all I know is just, uh, it, you know, it works uh, pretty good. Let me see. Well, it's called Zoopoxy, right? So I should. Yeah, my bad. I set you up for failure there. I should have just said, like, you know, I gave um, you two options and neither of them were right. So that's on me. (laughs) I failed horribly. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, It happens. Okay, we're not a home improvement pod. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, oh yeah, here's a perfect example. Like, this is some of the shit you can do. Um, I guess somehow I have to mute this and share this Uh, like that wow okay so that's not a real tree no neither is that damn (laughs) right very cool oh those are those boxes i use yeah that that's sweet yeah Dude, that would be perfect for like a carpet python uh, setup, you know? Like, a, yeah, dude, it's crazy. I'd put a brettles in there. Yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, like looking forward, that's that's kind of one of the things I'm most excited to do um, outside of like breeding and whatnot is I'm about to have a lot more space in this particular room because it's becoming a, just the reptile room. I'm moving into the other room. Right. My housemate leave next week, actually. So I've got this entire wall over here that currently has a bed that will not have a bed. And I want to do like a stack of just like really well done naturalistic six foot cages on that wall. Like that's what that is dedicated for, for like adult blackheads, brettles, stuff gotcha. like that. Like I just want it to be the zoo right there. You know, and it's <laughs> yeah. going to take a long time and I definitely can't afford to do it quickly, but that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing with this stuff, right? You know, like when you, um, I, I was really, I was really in a tough spot, um, over the past couple of years. And as far as like my snakes are growing, so I have to upgrade them. Mm-hmm. What do I upgrade them to if I'm going with these big racks? then like I'm going to spend thousands of dollars on this rack and it's not really where I want to go, but I feel like there's like, I had no, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I I have to buy this in order to, you know, so it's, it's, it's a process, man. You know, it's, it's, it's a process. And, um, I, I don't think that, I think a lot of times maybe it comes across like, um, you know, one is good and one is bad. And like, I don't think that at all. I just sort of think that, um, you know, I think it's just, you evolve, you know, you have yeah, to be open it's, to, uh, it's, it's a matter of what stuff. feeds your passion at the point where you're at. Right. Right. And like you could put your money into some really cool ARS racks if that's where you're at, or you could right. put your money into a couple incredible zoo style, like pieces of nature in your house, you know, yeah, man. it's just different. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think ultimately, I think I've always sort of been in that spot where I basically wanted a zoo in my house, you know, and 
I'm like, what am I doing, man? I, I can do this. Right. I just choose not to. So I'm just going to do it. So I think like in this one wall, I'm going to have a, um, a representation of each of the species of carpet pythons. And I'm going to keep them as in pairs. I'm going to go Jewlander, man. I'm going there to doctor. Go. I'm going doctor style. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to put them together and just kind of keep them like that. And, uh, you know, pair of inlands, pair of brettles, pair of coastals, pair, you know, probably like the locality stuff and, and whatnot and just sort of have that. And then I'll probably still keep some stuff in racks because I think with like some of the IJ projects and stuff that I have, there's really, there's no way around that. Like you can't, mm. you can't really, um, you can't really do that. And, and, uh, you know, yeah, for sure. Not have that, yeah. you know. So yeah, hundred percent. Um, but uh, you know, I was thinking for like the water pythons having like you, you know, uh, I mean, Rob's log, you gotta yeah. build that log, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I want that whole thing, man. I I want that recreation of that, and uh, you know, all the pythons. I think uh, could do some uh, cool stuff, and uh, yeah. Just make sure whatever you build, put it on casters so that when we open the Serpentarium, you can, you can move just roll it, it. easy. Yeah, man. Yeah, because you're going to yeah. want, you know, you're going to want that <laughs> I, at the it, facility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never leave there, man. <laughs> Me neither. Well, I probably, you know, I'd probably be sleeping on the floor anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> like we'll have to have a uh, apartments upstairs or something. <laughs> <laughs> For the interns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. But uh but yeah, it's uh <clears throat> you know, hopefully um yeah, I don't know, man, and I I would love to uh to to have that to be able to I I just have this vision of like uh you know, sort of like what Snake that Emily at Snake Discovery's got with yeah. those like fake rock walls and shit like that, you know. Uh, the thing the the warehouse, the building that they're putting together is going to be a really really impressive place to go. It's going to be yeah. cool hell yeah yeah 100 percent. and i love to see that you know like they're they're putting all of that massive <laughs> youtube star money into something that is going to inspire thousands of people and be such an awesome tool for education i just i think that they do a lot of the youtube thing quote right if you will which is refreshing yes you know um i agree I think uh she's one of the one of the very few that really don't do anything um, you know, it's not dramatic, you know, she's, she's, I learn a lot. I remember watching her video on bull snakes and right. You know, pituophis and stuff. And she, you know, I learned a lot from just watching that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she was an educator first. Like I, I love the story that she only started making videos to answer all the questions that people would come <laughs> ask her at the end of her programs. Right. Like she was just tired of answering the same yeah. questions. So yeah, it's, it's very cool. Very yeah. Cool. yeah yeah i uh i would like to go there and check it out for sure i'd like to see what uh what she's got going on yeah i'll but, meet you there let's do it <laughs> still <laughs> waiting on eight months for ap cage fuck that. <laughs> fuck that man uh, god damn it <laughs> sorry no, sorry sorry you know, for all i those, agree uh, you know like god Wow, that is just ridiculous. Like, how do you, by the time you get the cage, the animal could be outgrown. <laughs> you don't need it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, Eight months is too much. Okay, four months. Okay, I, I guess, you know, maybe. But, man. Nope. 
I'm uh, I'm expecting a cage in the next week or two from Cryptic Creations that that got shipped out. They're a PVC builder. On oh yeah, uh, how did you come across those guys? Uh, Loafman actually got some eight footers for them for False Water Cobras, and and he said he okay. liked the build. So um, yeah. We'll see how that is. <laughs> yeah, these are AP cages behind me here. But the thing I don't like about them is that stupid damn man. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. You can't, you can't really do anything naturalistic-wise with that. I mean, I guess you could, but it's like you can't really have like a deep substrate because then, and especially with the white cages, just it, the substrate stain. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They're I hear nice, you, man. Hundred percent. <laughs> they're nice, but I, I just, I think I'm gonna go old school and just build my own. So, I would love to get to a point where that's where I'm doing. That's yeah. what I'm doing too. I should say. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. Do, it's, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was just it. gonna say. I used to do a lot of woodworking. It was like one of my hobbies in like middle school, early high school, and like I love doing that kind of thing. I love working with my hands. But in the apartment on the second story, with like no tools or anything yeah. like I, you can't I'm really pull out, out lock, the soul, so. right <laughs> no i can't do anything like <laughs> but one yeah. day i'll plug back into that i think i think the thing that i'm sort of like i think the thing that holds me up with that is just like the design phase right mm -hmm. and like i feel like i really want to put you know, me and Nipper were talking about it and he was sort of making fun of me. He's like, you know, he's like, oh, you're going to be a different man in a couple of years. You're going to be different. You're going to be different. You know, no morphs in the collection. No, you know, <laughs> just all, you know, uh, carpet python locality stuff. And, you know, uh, he might be right. Uh, he might he might not be wrong, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, monitors yeah. and geckos everywhere. You know, all these Adatria uh, gec uh, monitors and stuff. Uh, he messaged me too. He was like, "Keep focusing on that Aspidites genus and get some T fives in all your cages." You you know, bleep bleep bleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I started using these. Hold on, let me grab it. Right on. Also, just while while he's doing that, I'll highlight here. Robert said three week wait time for pvc cages um, and that's another really great option I, I i really like their product and they're they always seem to be about three or four weeks they never really fall behind so yeah yeah these is deep Ooh. heat projectors so nipper sort of turned me on to these Arcadia? and it's yeah it's sort of like um a, like a ceramic heat emitter it doesn't give off light Oh, but okay. it's like one of those things that it sort of gets like deep into the reptile, you know, like the heat, the way they absorb this heat is. Uh, That's very intriguing. I didn't yeah. realize it didn't give off light. Yeah, it does not give off light. No. But it's a different spectrum than what the radiant heat panel or sorry, the uh, ceramic heat emitter gives off. Yes. Yeah. And I've noticed that the diamond pythons love these things, man. They 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 are under them all the time. Can you just plug that right into a standard uh, fixture, or did you need to yeah. get something different? Yeah, yeah. just the right. standard. Let me get the link for that. I might need to. Uh, <laughs> I might need to copy you with that one. Standard bulb. Yeah. So when I was um, on the Animals at Home podcast, Dylan, um, which was great, I, by the way. Thank you. That was it. Was a lot of fun. I love yeah. talking with Dylan. But at one point, he kind of stopped to talk about this where like when, when my female was wrapping around the ceramic heat bulb, he was saying that that could be the result of 
that specific type of heat just not being the right thing for them to absorb like properly compared to like a different spectrum or something like that. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but it seems like the product that you have there might be in that same vein to correct that problem. Correct. Um, Yes. So, yeah. Um, I, it gives off IRA and IRB. Not a hundred percent exactly what red A and B A and B. Um, but the diamond pythons love them. I have them in their cages and I think of it like, uh, you know, you can feel the heat, the difference too. Like it just feels, it does feel different. Um, I'd be, yeah, I'd be very intrigued to, to pop a couple of those things in my cages. That would be, it sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, they, they're not, they're not, cheap like a light bulb but right. neither is a ceramic heat emitter you know yeah. and i you know I, I would imagine that um it's sort of uh you know will uh you know last quite a while so right you know it doesn't have a, a light element to it so it should have a, a long a longer life yeah so my thinking is is that if i had this for a hot spot some uvb um in the cage for for the snakes and then um you know maybe um uh what do you call it like uh um the jungle if i put plants or stuff in the cages maybe those jungle jungle dawn lights. yeah that's what i have in my blackhead cage but i haven't put any plants in there yet yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh yeah he yeah you're right jeremy he does talk about the uh uh, yeah, IRA and IRB. Um, I, you know, I can't, I don't know this well in because I'm sort of just delving into this world of, of this stuff. And, yes. you know, I sort of just, uh, I, feel I listen a lot way. to Ipper, you know, <laughs> and I, I don't really necessarily know exactly what it is, but I did get the, uh, this book, which hold on to the library. So if you're uh, interested in, in learning more about this stuff, that book is... Um, the Sun. The Sun <laughs> is uh, pretty good. But uh, that's written by John Courtney Smith. Very and cool. then this one's pretty cool. Bioactivity and the Theory of Wild Recreation. Um, Reptile and Amphibian Nutrition, which is a good one. And that's uh, the Arcadia Guide to MBD and its elimination in captivity. So awesome. Very good. Very good stuff right there. But uh, I feel like I'm just learning this stuff. So I wish that we were neighbors and I could borrow from your library. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Dang it. There's a a lot of books that you would love, man. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's awesome. but yeah, I, I feel similarly. I feel like I'm kind of right at the beginning of understanding the, the different sun emulators, and I have a lot of learning to do. Um, but do I, I want to be better with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do I have library cards? <laughs> yeah, maybe I should start, right? Yeah, NPR library, come and uh, rent Berkberry. them. It's like, it's like Netflix for reptile books, you know what I mean? 
Do you remember back when Netflix? Of course you do. But yeah. when they actually mailed discs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. And the know? little red envelopes. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That was so long ago. And people would be like, what? It's like two different companies at this point. Yeah. My brother's <laughs> like, wait, they did what? I was like, yeah, you know, Netflix started where you would get it. You would yeah. have like the, you'd pick all the shows you wanted to watch and you would, you would watch one as long as you wanted. And I remember send it back when you're done. <laughs> we would get them at my dad's house. We'd get the new crop on Wednesdays most of the time. And my dad would be so pissed when one of the discs was too scratched and it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always the one you want to watch, right? You yeah, know, it's like exactly. you're the one you're most excited about. But uh yeah. crazy how things change. Like reptile lighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. I'm 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 sort of uh I think I'm gonna dive deep into the uh the fire book and see and see what's what but even even when he's been on animals at home podcast yeah. man that's something like i'm listening to it in my car and i'm like what 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 what, <laughs> what? exactly i Siri, remember rewind that <laughs> yeah i listened to the episode he did most recently like a month or two ago uh doing field work and i was just like Duh. like what yeah <laughs> no, it all went right over my head so yeah. probably got to try again <laughs> <clears throat> yeah and like uh, you know and and it you know i guess in a way this is the cool thing about keeping reptiles and as you continually try to learn right you learn more about the world you know you just learn more about the way things work and the way things are and you have a better understanding of uh blockbuster come on robert <laughs> you're showing our age brother come on <laughs> i had a video maniacs not a blockbuster Okay, my hometown. Uh, we had Blockbuster, Blockbuster, and West Coast Video. We had West Coast Video. Oh, wait a second. Coast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, not right. Yeah, somehow we uh, we went uh, did that wrong. But um, <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. So DP projectors is uh, sort of maybe where I'm going, and uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to sort of get the technology to sort of like how I'm going to set that up so that I don't have the UVB on, you know, like 12-12 type of thing where it turns off and, and whatnot. And, um, and then, you know, that's for snakes, and then monitors and lizards is a whole different thing. I was just going to ask what you're using on the Kims right now. So I'm just following what um, Mike told me. Um, and basically I'm using a halogen bulb, um, and it's, uh, what is it? A 50 watt, I think 50 watt. Okay. Um, it's the kind with the, I call it the honeycomb on the, mm. on the face of the bulb. Um, and you know, I was going to put UVB, but Mike was sort of, you know, he was sort of telling me, you know, he worries about that. Um, so for sure. <laughs> So until I understand it more, you know, I use UV on the Ackies, but the way I have it set up is they're sort of in a longer cage so that the UVB is all the way on the other side. Um, and I, I never see them use it. Whereas the blue tongue skink always uses UVB bulb. That's so, very interesting. Yeah. I don't know what the difference is. I do supplement. So maybe they, maybe there's not a need for it. I don't know. Maybe if you don't supplement, you know, uh, right. I, I just being new to, monitor keeping i sort of just am gonna follow what the experts say and sort of right you know make tweaks as i go along so 100 yeah. percent is uh was was um mike cautioning against the uvb just as they're little or or in general you know it wasn't i 
in 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 honesty, he wanted to talk to me on the phone about it. You okay, know, to, right to voice on. some concerns and like uh, at the time. I was at work and I, I couldn't take the minute to, to sort of chat with him about it. But like, he just said, you know, just, he's not, he's not anti UVB or anything like that. Right. He's just, you know, <laughs> just, uh, you know, just sort of like, uh, be careful with it if you will. So totally, which is valid, you know, yeah. no, we don't want to irradiate our animals and yeah, yeah. it's just another way to hurt them with love. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I just like I said, I'll probably learn more about. It. But I think at one, at, at probably at some point, I'm probably going to use these DP projectors for for them. Maybe I don't. I don't see how the monitors like it. You know, I'll, I'll sort of experiment with it because I mean, if you get this is a 50 watt. I'm, I would imagine if you get the next one up, you're looking at that 140 basking spot easy. But yeah, uh, for sure, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Because with this 50 watt, and again, this is the another thing I don't like about the AP cages is there's not enough height with the uh, for carpet pythons, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, yeah. Especially if you want to do diamonds where you have a basking spot. So, for sure. Oh man, they're they're talking about beta, <laughs> VHS. And like, oh. I, I love it. The the chat is all fighting with each other about who's oldest and boombox and eight tracks. <laughs> I mean, Ian remembers pterodactyls, so I think Ian's taking yeah taking the lead here. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's probably twenty five, and he's like, "What are you guys talking about?" I'm just gonna mess with you uh it's funny how you know i heard somebody else talking about that who was this uh, i was ryan dumas on the the herp uh herpetological podcast but um they were talking about uh being a boomer and i was like <laughs> i keep getting called a boomer i'm not a boomer i'm what? an extra i'm not oh, a boomer eric who calls you that i'll fight them yeah me and uh justin keep getting lumped, lumped into being boomers and we're like uh, oh. <laughs> even justin calls himself a boomer i'm like no we're not boomers <laughs> you don't deserve that no how tall would i make a cage ideally for carpets i gotta be honest with you my opinion of this has changed over the years um you know, in the early days, I sort of didn't really see. So, all right, let me let me uh, get into how I've evolved with this. So, keeping carpet pythons in the early days, you know, I tried the whole shelf thing, I tried the perch thing, and I didn't really see them use it all that much. But I think it was because I was doing it wrong, right? So I'm approaching it like a chondro, where it's sort of right. going to drape. Whereas carpets are more like a tree boa, like an Amazon tree boa, where they're like on, you know, have coils on different spots across right. the perching. Yeah. Um, Walkman's good lord. <laughs> I had one of those, believe it or not. A Walkman? Yeah. yeah. And okay. I remember having a portable CD uh, CD player. My first CD was American Idiot by Green Day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but how about this, right? You're walking with the CD player and you're, 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 you know, if you're going for a run or something like that, it's just like skipping constantly. You got this big <laughs> yeah. ass thing that you got to put in your well, pocket. And you're like, I never hell? tried to run with it. Cause I was like four oh, okay. <laughs> or five or something. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yes. Uh, but um, so I never seen the carpets use it. And I sort of, uh, you know, I guess in a bad way, sort of promoted the idea that, you know, they don't really use it. So why do they need it if they're not going to use it? And um, seeing them, especially Darwin's in the wild, like and seeing how they perch, 
Um, and then sort of seeing that people, I think, especially over the past couple of years, you've seen more people. Hey, what's up, Scott? You see more people or Ty. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> as Scott. Um, but uh, I've seen more people use taller cages with carpets. Mm-hmm. And I seen them utilize that height. So I don't think there's, I think for me, uh, so my diamond Python cage that I'm working on, I would say hi, but I'm dead to him. <laughs> what did you do? I don't know what I did. I think I didn't pick his book to be my favorite in the top five oh. I, because I knew that Owen was going to pick it. I was giving an Owen a win. Come on, Scott. You know, he's got to get a win every once in a while. He feels like nobody loves him except for Bigfoot. <laughs> no. Bigfoot but, has um, his address too. <laughs> I would say four foot is where I'm going with my diamond pythons enclosures. Four foot okay. high. Um, right I know that's high. I don't necessarily think that they need it that high, but these here are, are a foot. And, you know, as soon as I put any kind of perching in here, the top one is 15 inches. The bottom, the, these one, two, three, four are 12 inches. Keep digging your hole. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I'm dead to him. All right. Sorry, oh. Scott. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that you, you know, as soon as I put the, 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 any kind of perching in there, like um, the diamond pythons utilized it right away, like right away, you know, mm-hmm. perching up on them, being able to sort of have like multiple coils on, uh, on perches and stuff. So I would go four foot. I think, I think four foot high. Yeah. Yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense to me. I think as long as you provide the correct perching, like you're saying, not expecting them to do a condor pose, but maybe like kind of sprawling out multiple points of contact, like they'll do it for sure. hundred percent. The trees in Australia are taller than four feet. Sorry, you know, for those that don't want to believe that, it's true. But um, even Wilma's can climb 20-foot trees. How dare you? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that would be be an ideal thing to have a bunch of of cages that size. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think, uh, I even think that like, um, I don't know. My feeling is the more and more that I look at carpet python natural history and i'm glad that scott showed up at this time but um to me it seems like they're always near trees <laughs> you know like it's carpet yeah. pythons are like up well, trees you wouldn't evolve a prehensile tail for no reason would you <laughs> and, you know i said this I, I don't remember if i said it on this show or if i said it on the uh the other one is uh on npr or whatever and um oh, scott wants in <laughs> Send me a link and we can discuss. Let's do it. Why not? All right. Okay. I'm sending you now. That'll give me a chance to take a pee break. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Where's he at? Scott. Scott. Allison set us straight. Yes. Set us straight. Wing sent. More hurtful jokes about my my field observations. Scott keeps me sharp, man. He's he's not afraid. He's like Nipper, man. They're not afraid to tell you, like you're an idiot. <laughs> and I like that. I like yeah. I like that. You know, so like, I love it. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. You know, Look at that. That's the perfect. That's sort of how I emulated uh, that to sort of do the um, the diamond pythons. And as soon as that was that, the you know put it in there. But the thing that I noticed with them is, uh, and that they feel 
stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can like when they wrapped around, it's like you know yeah. they're they're really freaking wrapped. Whereas like you know my right. carpets and racks are like kind of like weak, wimpy. You know, man, like, I, I think it completely makes sense. Like you you don't get strong by sitting on the couch. Yeah, it's like muscle yeah. muscle. There's no reason to think it'd be different for a for a snake. Got to use okay. it or lose it. <laughs> That's right. Is that true? Uh, are we off base in thinking that way? Uh, Scott, that if you if you don't lose it, you use it, you lose it. How do you mind? Hey, well, in regards, I, to what? I was what? What do you mean you lose it? Oh, in regards to like muscle tonality in a carpet that isn't given the opportunity to to climb. Yeah. Um, I think carpets that are kept in racks don't seem to have the same muscle tone that carpets are kept in. Um, in cages where they can exhibit climbing and sort of natural behaviours. Yeah, I agree. So, you, I mean, you'd, you'd notice it particularly. I mean, if you even if you look at, like, zoo specimens, you look at the stuff that's sitting in zoos that are in display cages and things like that that might be five or six feet high and, you know, four or five feet deep and, you know, six feet long or whatever, those animals are moving a lot more, but you'll see that the muscle tone of those animals is generally better. Um We've got a, a lily pilly tree growing in one of our diamond enclosures, and the top of the lily pilly tree has been flattened by the diamonds. That's how much time it spends up in the top of the tree. It's literally flattened the top of the tree down. <laughs> right. That's cool. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they, they don't seem to, and I, I can only speak for our diamonds, which, you know, we've got four of them, so we don't have a, a very large sample size, but um, our diamonds spend a hell of a lot of time off the ground, particularly in spring and summer. Um, okay. Winter, you know, they'll tend to overwinter in a hole or, um, you know, we've got a hide box that's got um, hay in it. And so they'll go into that and sort of you'll see them come out or they might throw a coil out on a, on a warm day. Um, but generally speaking, they're sitting on the ground during that time. Um, in the wild, they're going into cliff faces, uh, or into the roofs of people's houses. And, you know, quite often on a warm winter's day in Brisbane, you'll get people contacting you because they've seen a, a carpet python coil hanging out the side of the tiles in their roof or something like that. It's 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 quite funny. That's awesome. Damn, what a dream job. I would just be like, you know, riding around with my GrowPro, just going and getting carpet pythons out of the roof. <laughs> It's carpet pythons everywhere. Every second house in Southeast Queensland has a carpet python. <laughs> yeah. you know, why would you keep it? Why would you keep them in captivity when every house has basically got them anyway? You know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Good point. You know, we we literally don't keep carpets now. We kept, we've got imbricata and we've got diamonds. So, yeah, that's you know. cool. And the imbricata are not even. They've grown on me. They 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 were Ty's thing. Ty was sort of adamant about getting imbricata and. You know, I've, I must admit, I've sort of seen the light. They're a pretty cool snake to keep. And, and you know, now if we're, we're doing a demonstration, <laughs> we turn around and go, hey, this is a carpet python that looks almost the same as the ones that are in your backyard. So, right. you know, then, mm-hmm. you know just if you, cooler. If you squint, you know, if you squint, they look basically <laughs> the same. So, yeah. you know. Very cool. I'm jealous. I want to yeah. see a carpet on my roof. <laughs> all we all we have are crows. <laughs> we had one on it. We had one on our front steps, Eleanor. I literally went out to uh, put the rubbish out, and as we're going down the step, 
I turned on the light and here's this carpet python cruising down the banister on the stairs on the front of the house. And, you know, I went back inside, took a couple of photos. He ended up sitting at the bottom of the stairs and I suppose was hunting rats, I suppose, at the bottom of the stairs. So that was pretty cool. Nice. That's very cool. Those crappets, man, they're badass. Ah, <laughs> uh, sure, right, mate. I'd be the same if I had bloody timber rattlesnakes and stuff like that around my place. So. Yeah. yeah, those don't yeah. go on the roofs, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, but still. The, the funny thing is, is that there's, there seems to be this um this idea that venomous snakes don't climb, particularly in Australia. And you know, we've got a paper that we've just submitted um on that specifically, where you know we're basically challenging the status quo in regards to um, snake behaviour in regard in, in that we as reptile people seem to get these misconceived ideas and we seem to try and keep grabbing bits and pieces of information that support our ideas, which I suppose is human nature. But um, we had a, I had a number of cases of, of boreality in, in Australian lapids and a couple of colleagues had a couple of cases as well. And so, we all sort of talked to each other and said, hey, let's just all put it all together. And then we ended up doing a review. So that's been, I think it's been submitted to the Herp review now. So we've got through the first stage of peer review. So we'll we'll see how many corrections we need to make and <laughs> another paper coming out. Why not? Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but- a uh, biology colleague of mine just got a pub uh, detailing her observation of a Sierran tree frog trying to amplex a Western toad. And that's that's one of my favorite things that I've heard in a while. <laughs> like, if that's worthy of a publication, <laughs> very um, cool. Well, the thing is, though, right? I mean, with publications, it's one of those things. Is that you know, unless it's unless it's published, it's it's very hard to actually find that information down the track. It, we, yeah. it might be something that we all know about, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But unless it's actually published, how the hell do you know if it's um yes. how do you sort of quantify it um you guys would have seen the video now no doubt of the the yellow face whip snake eating the grapes um mm-hmm. that's been around for about three or four years and you know apparently it's been published or was going to be published and then it sat it went sent for, for peer review and then it never got through peer review and you know i asked one of the people that were we're publishing it the other week and he goes, Oh yeah, no, we're, we're resending it in for peer review now. But you know, that's, that's a pretty important thing because that's the first time that um, snakes have ever been voluntarily recorded eating plant matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And yet it still hadn't been sort of published before, you know? So, um, you know, according to published literature, snakes don't eat plants, but here's this right. video that they do. So, um, 100%. Obviously, there's a whole heap of caveats in that particular regard. There was a, um, you know, there's a whole heap of skinks that were moving around on those discarded grapes. The skinks bring in the flies. The, the sorry, the flies bring in uh, attract the skinks through their movement, and you know the the scent of the the skinks running across those grapes may have had a an effect that may have sort of caused the the whip snake to to look to. Uh, to eat the grapes by mistake, I suppose, but who really knows? At the end of the day, right. it's, it's yeah. still out there. Yeah, it did it. So, <laughs> yeah, it did it. So, so I, I don't make your book count, Eric. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> just, just shattered, <laughs> absolutely shattered. 
So, no. <laughs> well, you know. I, I, me and Owen were trying to sort of, you know, encompass them all in five. Encompass with, them all. Yeah, you, know. you should have gone ten. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have, done, I know. I wouldn't have been able to do five. No way. Yeah, because you know we did the five. It's funny, right? Your five was not even close to what my five would be. Yeah. What would your five be? Oh, okay. Oh, well, I'll do that right now. Okay, I'm, I'm here. People will have to sort of deal with me looking like I've got things. So, number one, because you went from number one first, didn't you? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Went for right, number, number one. First. Okay. We're on the same page. I've got to get the right way. So that's definitely number one. Yeah. It's a great book. Biology. Excellent of, book. Uh, Alan Green. Um, number two, number two, number two, number two. Oh, God, I could kill someone with this. I got that one too. Yeah, that's a great one. So that's number two. Um, a lot of my books are based off of your recommendations, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> number three. That's a great one. I got that one too. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, hey, now, you know how you were saying that you have books that have got notations through them and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, right. Uh, so this one. Okay. So this is an earlier edition of that, right? So this right. has notations through it as well. But the notations... Can you see all those little yellow marks? Yeah. So this is Hal's copy. Oh, wow. So this is Hal's copy of the book. So see how he's got... With his notations. Yeah, they're all his notations. So this is how to, you know, needed to change the, the range map there and things like that. So, so yeah, I was pretty excited to, to get how that. How cool so, is that? <laughs> so these are her history there. Yeah. Um, what am I up to? I'm up to four. Four, yeah. I'm up to four. Okay, so this one. And this one is a it's a really sad book, actually. Can you see that one? Animal Toxins. Oh, oh I don't have Animal one. Toxins. Now this is the second edition, uh -huh. right? By Struan Sutherland and James Tibbles. So Struan actually died before that book came out. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man. So he died in in two in two thousand or whatever it was, and that book came out in two thousand and one. Oh man. So it was the second edition of the uh, Australian animal toxins, um, and Struan was one of the people who consulted on my very first venomous snake bite that I ever had. Oh wow. Okay. So so my first snake bite that I ever had from a spotted black snake back in '96. Um, he was arguing with the hospital about what antivenom I should be getting because apparently the, the hospital. So what happened was I got bitten by a snake that isn't from Victoria. Um, I used to live in Victoria and I said, I got bitten by this. They said, no, you couldn't have been bitten by that. And I said, well, you get them in my shed. And then they rung Struan because he was the, the, the time was the director of the Australian Venom Research Unit. And his comment was that if the person saying he had was bitten by Shedekis Gutatis and he knows what Shedekis Gutatis is, then he's probably right. Mm. 
just let just... <laughs> <laughs> because they, uh, medical professionals don't want to rely on what a snake person says, basically. And I, and I look at the end of the day, we're not doctors, and I right. understand completely where that comes from. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so fun and games, anyway. So, I did pick up this one based off of your recommendation. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Mm. But I love this one. Ah. That's that's good too. That's good I, too. I love that one. Oh man. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Damien so. Michael's a really good guy too. Um so um I've been reading through uh biogeography of Look at that but that now that's a library. That's a library I, right there. I've been reading that of light of light. <laughs> oh, okay. South Asia. That's, that's quite interesting. So, so it's so it's a bit like what you were just looking at, but it was specifically for yeah. Yeah, there's a few books. It's a bit of a schmozzle in here at the moment. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy shit. What is all the binders at the top? What are they? Papers or what? Journals. Journals. Journals and papers. Very cool. So yeah, so Ty. Um, I spent a heap of time organizing all of that side of things and putting it into the the CLZ book app that we use. Um, that Ty found it was honestly, I've looked at it and I've gone, Really? and she's gone, No, no, we need to do this at some point in time. And it has saved us so much money, it's been such a great idea on her, on, on her behalf. And so, wow. we've both got the same account. So if she's out and about and looking at books, she can go, oh, yeah, no, he's already got this one or right. or we've already right. got this one or whatever. Because she also has books in her office as well. Okay. Oh, right. so there's, there's another office? Yeah, there's two offices. Oh. So this is my office. Okay. Slash library, and then she's got her office, and hers is, is in a much better state than mine. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to think that I'm the one who's who's sort of keeps things. That it, well, I have an organised mess, okay. um, organised chaos. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm like at the moment on my desk, I've got snakes of the world, uh, snakes and biology of Australian snakes, and, and two or three others that are sort of scattered around, and some papers, and like I write post-it notes, so I've got post-it notes everywhere at the moment as I'm because I'm writing something down because I'm working on other stuff at the moment and it's it's an organized chaos but if I leave a window open or something like that and wind comes on and <laughs> well there goes the post-it notes right yeah. <laughs> well they're here I've just got to find them again yeah. Yeah, that quite... right oh man yeah, I thought I was, I was good with my. So the the Australian section has taken over this entire side. So these are all Australian books, and then that's the other stuff. So so all right. So we we can do a bit of this thing. So let's see how we go. Yeah. Oh so, shit! Look at that. So this is all right. So down the bottom, that sort of fish down there. Yeah. And then so these these shells are seven feet high. So they're they're pretty good. Only 400 mil wide. Now, the reason you can only go 400 mil wide, so what that's 14, 15 inches or so, um, is because you don't want to go the wider bookshelves. Because if you go wider, what ends up happening is the shelves end up sagging. Oh, so, okay. Um, so then that's sort of dangerous creatures and stuff like that. And then mammals and birds, uh, habitats, 
and then sort of rainforest and all that sort of stuff. And then we're going to sort of start of the herp literature. So these are sort of all various bits and pieces, papers and stuff. And then we get to keeping stuff. So that's all keeping. And then we get down to Chimera. And then we go, so it's Americas. So there's three shelves in the Americas. Americas aren't for me that interesting. Southeast Asia and Asia, <laughs> Africa and Europe. And then we start getting into sort of general herb stuff. So ecology and all that sort of stuff. Very cool. Uh, sea snakes. There's, there's, so there's all your coggers across the top. And then wow. reptiles of India, uh, blue cogger, which is important. Monograph of sea snakes, reptiles and amphibians by Loveridge, uh, Nelly Darus, Indo reptiles of the Indo Australian archipelago, and then these are all Australian herb books. Wow! So there's a few there, and then oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, crocodiles, turtles, and frogs, and then sort of anti-venom stuff, and then that's about it. So there's a few things there. There's a few. <laughs> There's a few. There's always stuff that you want, though. Yeah. If I, yeah, I know. You know, uh, <laughs> that app though has helped me out a lot because you know, if I get a break at work or whatever, I'm scrolling through different, uh, you know, book sites or whatnot and seeing what I can add. And then I'll be like, "Do I have that book?" And then I look at the book app and I'm like, "Ah, I got that one. I don't need that one." You know. So. Well, I'll it depends. So, like, it depends on how sort of. You know, we look, we collect them, but we're not. Some people want every single edition or every single different cover and, and things like that. We're not, we're not really that way inclined. We, right. if it's a new edition and there's a functional change to it, then yeah, we're, we're keen for it. But yeah. if it's just a book that has they've changed a the cover, but they haven't changed anything else in it, then for us, it's like, oh, well, we've got that book, let's move on to something else, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um. And also, too, we um, uh, what do you call it? We we use the books; they don't just sit on the shelf. We actually pull them yeah. out and we, we look at them and stuff like that. So, yeah. and we refer to them all the time. So, Herpet of Fauna is a you know some of the particularly some of the old magazines and and journals, Herp journals, or something that we use a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, Herpet of Fauna, we've got a complete set of. Um, which there's not too many people that have a complete set of herpes for them. Um, we've got a complete set of monitor as well. And, you know, both of those have got some of them, some really important um, Australasian herpetological papers right. as well. So, um, and they haven't been digitised. That's the other thing, you know, that, that and I'm sure, Lucas, as, as you're <laughs> coming across, it's like, oh, I want something from the 80s. That hasn't anything from the 70s, anywhere sort of like the 60s through to about the 80s is really tough to get your hands on because yeah. it's most of it's not in libraries. Most of it is in hard form paper copy. There isn't a huge requirement to to bring it into digital because people are like, well, we've got a newer, newer version, so we'll just look at the newer version. But, you know, when you're looking at something you want to cite the actual source um so you want to go back and look at the actual article and quite often it'll be a citation on a citation on a citation so 
it's it's almost like a you know putting the same thing through a photocopier three times yeah. and copying the copy each time it it sort of gets watered down so right. sometimes you want to go back to the original source and locating that original source sometimes is so fucking tough <laughs> yeah um, um so you know the one thing that i'll do someone's after something from her put a fauna or something like that i usually say oh tell me what you're chasing and I, I will not loan anything out i heard you talking about loaning stuff out we do not nothing leaves not, uh, nothing ever leaves i'll take a photo i'll take a photo of a paper for somebody or a page or something like that and i'll send them the page i'm happy to do that um if I've got to scan it, I'll take it into work and I'll scan it, but I'm not going to nothing. Do not like I don't even like taking it around to somebody's house to show them something in particular. I'd rather show them a photo or something. So because um, it just goes walkabout every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's not you the know. common shit that goes walkabout either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when we have our uh, NPR studios, Lucas will have full access to the uh, to the uh, NPR Ooh. library. <laughs> but it's nothing like that one. I would be like, show me the perennies, show me the imbricata. Now let me go to the books. <laughs> <laughs> so Dude, you, you could be on. in the, did the I books. Did I just hear that right? You just said perennies, then imbricata. Uh, I Good did. Catch. I did. I did. He's gone. Wow. Wow, that slipped, man. Yeah. Oh, so is shit. it uh is it now monitors Python radio? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Pythons will I you know, I said at the beginning, carpets will always be my favorite for hundred percent. That but isn't what on. you just said then. Uh, Lucas, come on, what man. did you just hear then? I heard it too. I'm just as concerned as everybody at home. Dude, a parenti, like, come on, man. I mean, so it like, could be like the. So, in other words, it's monitor parenti radio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody gets so excited about Komodo dragons, right? And I'm not, I'm not bashing Komodo dragons and all, but come on, man, a parenti is like, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Fucking parentis are good. I'll, I'll give you that. Parentis are good. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. For me, I, and look, it, it might be because grass is greener. Look, I've played with Komodos mm-hmm. and, you know, literally three of them. It's not It's not like I've played with lots of them. I've played with three of them. Right. Um, one I got a an experience with that, you know, it was like, you know, the, a mate of mine is, is in there, so I, I got a... I got a pretty good look at that that particular animal, um, and it was for me it was it was incredible. Um, and then you know, uh, the my other encounters have been with mates as well. So I've I've been mm-hmm. a, you know we've been lucky enough to be able to get a, a slightly better look at what <laughs> than, than what other people might would. Right. Um, obviously, they're awesome. They're incredible, but I mean, parentes are incredible too. They really yeah. are. They, it, it's it's more like interacting with a, a dog as opposed to interacting with a reptile. You know, there's yeah. there's, there's something going on upstairs with them. Um, yeah, laces are laces are good too, but most of the laces that we've dealt with have been asses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, laces so. are cool, and I like I like the way they look, but there's just something about that parenti pattern and the way they they hold themselves and they i, I don't know man I, as to me they're just they're the they look at you as much as you look at them too you know yeah 
They're like the uh, and you posted that picture of the parenti hatching out of the egg. I'm like, oh, that was oh, pretty man. cool. Wasn't it? <laughs> like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Well, well, so I've only put. I think I've only put two photos in the comp. So you know, we'll see. I know. I did a, a lacy hatch, a bell's face hatching out, and a um, and a parenti hatching out. So, okay. Um, both of those were bred by uh, a bloke by the name of Scott Kickham. So uh, he's a He's a mate of ours from the north side of Brizzy. He doesn't keep possums. He thinks that they're a waste of space. Um, <laughs> Ouch. He, he, he's an elapid guy. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's an elapid bloke. Really good guy too. A lot of fun. and um, He's really – he's only been keeping a, a relatively short amount of time, but he's one of those people that just has a knack for it and – you know, he's breeding all sorts of stuff that's that's relatively hard to breed, and he sort of spends the time, he enjoys it, and and yeah, man. you know, he he goes, oh, come and take photos. So me and Ty come around and take photos. He takes photos with his iPhone, and we take photos. With our <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, um, but yeah, so it's look, we we we're, we're paranoid about putting them together um, because parentes will eat each other. Um, Ooh. That would uh, that would not be good. <laughs> yeah. No. no. <laughs> I, in some ways, too, I could handle as much as I'd I'd hate for it to happen. If if Ty was the one who put them together, I'd feel better about them, <laughs> better about it if they had each other, because then I wouldn't be in as much trouble. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, it's. What do you do? Like when introducing animals that are that are cannibalistic is such a scary thing to do because you just don't know if it's all going to go well or not. And yeah. parentes can make a mess here. I can I can tell you that firsthand that they can yeah. make a mess here. So you know, try and add two together and then trying to separate them. It's not going to be a pleasant thing. That's for sure. Yeah, I yeah I can't imagine. I got out of ring pythons for that same reason, you know. It's like I don't want to be putting the male with the female and then come back and it's gone. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, but the uh, uh, yeah, I would imagine the parenti know. though would be a, a a lot messier sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing is too is that I've heard from people as well that they were okay on the initial introduction, mm-hmm. and then two months later. Is is they've come out there and there's like a tail hanging out the mouth of the other one. It's just like, oh, no. <laughs> God damn! Is that the much? Oh, yeah. Is there that much size difference in a male and a female? Um, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a pretty significant difference in the size between them. So, wow. and that's the other thing that you know you want to confirm that the the sexes are right as well. And you know, monitor sexing is not great. Um, it's not like a probe where you can be pretty confident. Right. This is what it is, and the the hemibacular ossifications is what you what you look at in an X ray. Um, right. And I've only got a passing knowledge in Varanid, so you know if I've cocked that up, you know that I apologise. Um, but the the hemipenal ossifications in the hemibacular are only present in adults, so you can miss it in in young ones quite easily. So. Um, they really need to be of fully adult size and at adult age 
and have really good bone density to, to show that up properly. Um, hmm. yeah, Sounds these like things <laughs> yeah, and we grow animals slow as well. We don't grow them fast. We, we try to grow them quite slowly and we see increased longevity right. as a result. Um, you know, we, we hear about people talking about um, – uh, pythons sort of having a a good longevity. Well, we've got an olive python now that's just would have to be forty years old. Um, oh wow! And you know, it was caught by wild wild caught as an adult. It's an olive python that was a wild caught by Graham Gow in the in the sort of mid eighties. Um, wow! And yeah, so it was an adult when he caught it and. It was an adult when it came to me in in the late '80s, and I've had it ever since. That's incredible! <laughs> wow, yeah, so this what is it? Is <laughs> it's older well, than me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, I got it in in 1989. Okay, I graduated so eighth grade in '89. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a I was a grade six grade. Grade five, I think. So I was a kid, young kid. Um, so well, I've had it for 30, 31 years. Wow. That's cool. What uh, the, Alex was asking what the bird is that you have chirping in the chirping oh. there. <laughs> That's Emily, which should be called Eric. Um, it's a, <laughs> What's the what's the what's the what's the binary sexing of, of cockatiel? It's a male cockatiel that I thought was a female, but is actually a male. Absolutely hates me. Loves yeah. pot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so I suppose like half the human community out there doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Oh, funny, 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 funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a uh, that's a cockatiel. It's um, it, you know, if I'm doing a podcast at home, because you'll hear the cockatiel screaming in the fucking yeah. background. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, there was something I was going to talk to you guys about from the last show or the show before. I can't fucking remember now. There was something <laughs> that was, was something mm. there I disagreed with that you guys were talking about, and I can't remember what it was for life me. Anyway, it'll come. Same old, same old. <laughs> ah, it doesn't matter anyway. It's all, all semantics. Um, yeah. So, what do you? How far off do you reckon the python book is? The python book is. From what I understand, I think it's uh, going to be by the end of 2021. I'm thinking like maybe so out for Christmas. Yeah, I think so. Shit, so I can't wait. Printed soon. I know they're working on the Justin was saying that he's working on like the I guess they did like the started to do the layout of uh of the book. And I know Nick was scrambling for a picture of St. Francis Isle in Brigada. Yeah, I know he was chasing one. There's a I think Busho did a paper on the body things. So yeah. I think he got a paper from Busho, a photo from Busho. So yeah, there is a there's certainly some interesting <clears throat> carpets out there. Um, no hell yeah! No, I think though that it'll be really interesting to see that, say how people 
take the taxonomic nomenclatural changes if there's going to be some of those in there. You know, I think there's I think that's there's going to be some some shifts. I mean, obviously, our opinion is that you know from the phylogenies that have been published is that you know the diamond pythons right through to Darwin's jungles, coastals, all of that's the same animal. Um, and the reason is, is the genet- that's the way the genetics has published so far support that. You know, it's all the yeah. same animal. It's just some some change, some clinal changes. And, you know, the morphology sort of supports that as well, is that, you know, diamonds, which is from the further south, the darkest, you know, tend to be diurnal. And then as you as you get north and it becomes warmer, uh, this is the southern hemisphere, it's the opposite to the northern hemisphere. So as you go north, it becomes warmer. Um, and the animals have been able to radiate out into drier habitats. And so those dry habitats have, have reduced the need to have a high contrast patterning because the the environment is more open. There's more trees. The trees are more sparse, sparsely situated. So there's less shadow on the ground. So there's less dappled light as opposed to the large blocks of light. And so if you've got something that's, that's strongly contrasted out in a fairly uh, plain environment, it's going to get a high increase in rate of predation. And likewise, if you've got something that's fairly plain coloured in a in an area that has strongly dappled light, i.e. a forest or a rainforest, you're also going to have a problem because you're going to have something that, that stands out. So that dappling is, is quite important. Right. Um, you know, you've got reasoning as to why your animals get why jungle carpets are small. You know, the reason that jungle carpets are small is because you have scrub pythons. Right. Okay. So the carpet pythons occupy the the small python niche in the rainforest in North Queensland where you get scrub pythons because the scrub pythons act on the big python niche. All right. Yep. You, you know, they don't want to compete against each other, so that's what's happening there. Right. Uh, so there's there's reasoning as to why. And so where you stop getting carpet, where you stop getting scrub pythons out on the out on the western edges of the range and things like that where the carpet pythons do better the carpet pythons are larger mm-hmm. you know so right. where they're not because they're not competing against scrub pythons so they can be big right um and then they go across and as you go across the northern territory in the gulf all of that is uh it, it's still there's patches of forest but there's a lot more open sparse land now that's why Papuan carpets look the same as well, because what's in northern Australia and what's in Papua eight thousand years ago was connected. Right. Right. You know, so and that's that's literally a, like a blip of an eye. You think of the changes yeah. that have occurred in in the USA in the last five to ten thousand years. Right. Yeah. Right. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we've had multiple events of of where that you know, changes in heights of sea levels and things like that as well. And so those barriers have then formed, you know, where those barriers form is where is what will cause a speciation event. And that's why that, that biogeography book that you've got now, Eric, is is quite good because that that does teach you about some of these things that sort of cause those species delimitations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So because they you know the, the populations get separated and they come back together, separate and come back together, you know, they haven't really speciated that much. And as a result, the the subspecies for a lot of the, the carpet pythons aren't really that well supported. 
Um, right. Imbricata is obviously a much older divergent split, and that's right. why they are a good species, and that's why we we refer to them as a full species in our book. We didn't refer to them as a subspecies because they're better suited as being a subspecies, no, full species. Right. Because so they're, for... they're as far apart from uh, Imbricata and Bredelia as far apart from each other as they are from Spilota as well. So. Right. You so know, for, the, the, for the others, would would it be more accurate to call it like a, a clinal variation than such? Yeah, true that's, that's exactly what we said. We said okay. it's a clinal variation, and that we refer to them as geographical races. Okay, with the exception of Metcalfoy. Metcalfoy is we we left as a subspecies. Um, you know, the other way potentially you could look at it is, you know, you could potentially look to make Metcalfoy a full species, right, and then maybe refer to some of those geographical races as subspecies as well. That might be another way you could look at it, but it really depends on, you know, where do you, where are you going to sort of, what, right. what best suits and what's the best way to describe, you know, Australasian Python phylogeny and the, the papers that are currently published on it suggest that, you know, uh, the Australian carpet pythons are, you know, Macarthur is a good subspecies, Imbricata bredelii species, and Spilota is a highly variable species. So, um, yeah, I'm very I'm, different to pet keeping. You know, I mean, pet keeping, keeping stuff in boxes and all the rest of it. You can still keep animals of a locality. You can still keep animals of a of a yeah. type because, you know, what we know about genetic sequencing now and what genes that we sequence now compared to what we did 30 years ago and what we're going to do 30 years from now. Very, very different. And if at least if you're keeping animals from the same ESU, which is um, ecological or evolutionary species unit or species group, so you hear zoos refer to ESUs. So mm -hmm. it might be an environmental or ecological species unit. So if you're doing work on it might be hellbenders or something like that. And if you're looking at hellbenders, you want to make sure that each stream is separate and you're going to keep those as separate ESUs. So then when you look to reintroduce those populations of, of hellbenders, you're not taking something from uh, from a western flowing river and right. putting it into an eastern flowing river population where you're going to cause um, genetic pollution of those populations because those things would never come into contact right. either. Right. Yeah. The other thing that I find funny is that uh, you hear it used all the time. People go, "All right, I'm going to try and breed for. Um, I'm going to try and sort of keep these locality specific." Well, the biggest problem with that is is that we are the ones that are saying, "Well, we're going to put this with this." In the wild, right. that doesn't happen. Right. In the wild, that one can mate with whatever it wants, and that right. one can mate with whatever it wants. We're still making choices, so we're making arbitrary decisions as to how we're going to put things together. Now, what tends to happen in zoos and stuff like that, they will manage a stud book, and from that stud book, they will try and keep things together via an ESU, but they'll try and pick the most genetically divergent populations and bring those together mm -hmm. to maintain the genetic integrity of those populations, and it's quite carefully managed by stud books and stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's still not not an easy thing to do either. People make mistakes <laughs> and records. Yeah. yeah. 
and even you know a lot of those a lot of those stud books and a lot of those uh ssps especially for birds are, are even not really equipped to be genetically viable for that 100 year benchmark or whatever you know there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done birds are a shitload more mobile though than for the most part than than yeah. reptiles yeah, hundred so, percent. You know, so your your locality. You know, I mean, you think of it of a bird. It's it's not. It wouldn't be unusual for a bird to travel, for many species of bird to travel a kilometer or two kilometers or three kilometers yeah. in a in a day. Um, whereas you know, there's some geckos that probably wouldn't travel a hundred meters in the whole lot. <laughs> that's a good point, <laughs> right? <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's, and that's and that's cool. one of the reasons why some some lizards have diverged. You know, there is high rates of, you know, genetic divergence. Um, you know, Phalurus, the, the leaf tails, Phalurus isis is a, is a classic example of that. The two populations are, are less than a kilometre apart and 10 or 12% difference genetically between the two populations. And, you know, there's <laughs> almost like this this sky island type effect and yet you can almost, it almost seems like you can seemingly throw one rock from one hill to the other <laughs> as to where these things live. Right, and they only live about 400 meters above sea level as well, so they don't come down. And the valley is about, I think, 50 or 60 meters above sea level. So, you know, there's a 350 mil gap. It's in tropical Queensland, so these things do not come out of the rainforest. Um, how they get from one hill to the other, who the hell knows? Maybe a, you know, <laughs> eagles picked one up and dropped it. <laughs> Oops! Survived. Whoops! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what the guys come up with. You know, I've seen some of Justin's. Uh, I don't want to give it away, but I've seen some of his uh, some of his thoughts on what uh, how the carpet pythons break down. You know, um, but uh, the one that gets me all the time is the imbricata. That's sort of like where the uh, inlands are at. You know, Macafi. I I mm -hmm. I don't understand how the the null arbor plane has sort of separated them, but they're over. I mean, I guess, you know, as it, as it was a nullable plane, wasn't the nullable plane. Right. You know, forever. 200,000 right. 200 yeah. years ago. Right. Yeah. That was all. I always forget all that across. part, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, you have this snapshot of current and you sort of in our, at least in my mind. So the Lake brain. Air Basin is a, is, a, is a really interesting one. Um, and, and look, the advantage the advantage that I have over here is because of we've got so many different other things besides carpet pythons that, that have relatively similar biogeography to right. sort of parts of of that. So I can look at, say, thick-tailed geckos and go, there's a, a Western version and there's an Eastern version. They haven't been named separately, but they're clearly different different right. taxa right so they have been named they haven't been accepted so it's just like, it's like, anyway gotcha. another whole thing altogether um right. but there's clear morphological separation there's clear genetic separation between them right. um and what is the what is the barrier the barrier is is lake air or the lake air basin which was a great inland sea right now that great inland sea dried up I don't know when it last time last time it dried up. I don't think it was that long ago. Last time it completely dried, and that basically allowed those two populations of thick-tailed geckos to come back across and recon basically rejoin. Right, but they don't breed. Right, those two populations don't breed anymore, and so because those two populations they were separated for long enough that they don't breed, even though they've come back, and there's places where you get and the two populations living sympatrically. Right. 
they're not breeding. And because they're not interbreeding, that's what should sort of demonstrates that they're speciated. And so right. what needs to happen more, and a friend of mine, um, a bloke who wrote the uh, the Keeping uh, Guide to Australian Pythons in Captivity, Adam Elliott, he wrote, um, he was part of a team that were collecting tawny dragons in South Australia. Okay. And, you know, they just split the northern and southern populations of tawny dragons and the southern population is now modestus and the northern population is is decreasing now that's in the flinders ranges there's quite a lot of things in the flinders ranges We've got a north south split that we thought was the the same same taxa uh-huh. but they'd look and they they did the genetics on it and the genetics on the population across the abutment zone they could be up to i think within I'd have to read the paper again, but I know it was really short. I think it was like 100 to 200 metres in some places or, uh, sorry, uh, 1 to 2 k's in some places that is how close these two populations were to each other and they're completely different species. Wow. That's crazy. Right. And so, you know, they look similar to each other, but they're not the same. Now, mm-hmm. where Imbricata and and, and McCarthy uh they almost occur sympatrically in the Flinders Ranges, or potentially occur. I, I, don't, I don't know if they are sympatric. They'd certainly be bloody close if they're not. Um, where those two sort of abut, if they're not recognising each other as a potential mate, then you are going to get. They are sympatric. They're not, and they're two good species. Right. You know, at the same time, sometimes you get some weird hybridisation things going on because one male. Will, throw the leg over so to speak on, on anything anyway so yeah you know but whether or not the the offspring are viable from that is is another thing as well so right um, so much to learn <laughs> yeah and i think i don't know if it was on this at one point where someone was talking about percentages and going oh if we maybe we should just make a line in the sand in regards to a percentile difference and that's what is a species or a subspecies or whatever. I think that was on here. Um, yeah. I there's a so. reason behind that you can't do that, right? And I I had this sort of – I asked this question about 10 years ago of a couple of taxonomists and they said, no, 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 there's a reason you can't. is because not everything evolves at the same rate. Mm-hmm. So things okay. are going to cause – you're going to get a percentile difference of genetic divergence at different rates. So if we say, right, humans to chimpanzees, I think is what, 2% or 3% or something like that. Right. If we say, right, 3% is going to be our cutoff, because we always make things about people, yep. right? we're going to say that's the difference. Then if we, if we brought that across the board and we said, right, reptiles are going to do the same, just about... Most of your wide-ranging species would not be wide-ranging species. It would be, oh, yeah, this one's this one, this one's this one, this one's this one. <laughs> Everything would be a fucking different name. Right. And no one would be able to tell what they are. You couldn't right. tell apart what they were unless you were doing sequencing. Right. Yeah, 100%. That's Nick's go-to. That's Nick's go-to with uh, yeah with the Inlands. <laughs> I've heard him say that many, many times. I'm, I'm sure you have heard that as well, Lucas. Oh, yes. Well, oh, I've heard it a lot. I, I might have had that conversation with Mick as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, now that's a reptile Mick's... fight club. 
yeah, he he went off on that in the Reptile Gumbo podcast too. He's like, yeah. if you use the same percentage we use for reptiles, there'd be one species of elephant, one species of you know bear, and it's just on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. But and anyway, so that, that, that's something to sort of keep in mind. It's, it's something that you know because it, it makes sense. It does make sense. Well, why yeah. don't we just make it this, once it's this, and, and then it takes all the the conjecture and, and yeah. ambiguity out of it. Yeah. But the problem is, is things evolve at different rates. Right. Which makes sense. It's that goddamn cosmic octopus, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the more you, it's funny, the more you get into stuff, the further you go down the rabbit hole. You ain't kidding, and, man. <laughs> and have you have you guys started watching that podcast I've been fucking going on about? Not podcast, the YouTube channel I've been going on about of late. My Which latest one? my latest thing that I've been crime pays, but botany doesn't. No, fucking amazing! <laughs> really, crime pays. Oh man, it is okay. so fucking good. Um, okay. I have to give that a try. Yeah, crime pays for botany doesn't right. It's the hardest sounding bloke from South Chicago that you've ever fucking heard, <laughs> and he's talking about rhizomes on plants and things like that. So he's, I think he's a botanist, and but he's got a. Uh, geological background and so he's talking all about plants and botany and geology it's got nothing to do with herbs you come across a few herbs but i mean at the same time it's really really interesting because plants are something i know fuck all about yeah um that's sort of something geology is something that i know fuck all about uh so but there's stuff in it that you can go okay that's starting to make sense and so he talks about a whole heap of different environments in the usa um and talks about how those environments were formed and some of the speciation in botany that's going on in there. I bet that those same locations have got some pretty cool herbs that are attached to those specific localities as well. So um yeah, fucking amazing. Really good podcast, really interesting, really entertaining. Um he's got a an awesome tattoo as well. Um nice. he's got a tattoo of uh, millimeters graduated up his hand so when he's holding a plant or something like that he can then turn around and go oh yeah it's 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 30 millimeters long or or whatever it's like yeah that's 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 pretty cool um i quite like that i think um i'll have to check that out for sure give it, um, give it a go crime pays but botany doesn't lucas is on a hard out so we got to uh exit stage left <laughs> But uh, if you guys want to keep going, that's no problem. But I, yeah, I gotta, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta run. But. Yeah. Off you go. Off you go, Lucas. I'm going to go chase an Aspidotti just to spot you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Well, at least send me pictures while you do. <laughs> no, I won't, it won't be this way. I, I am going to go chase an Aspidotti probably in the next month or so when it warms cool. up. Son of a bitch. Let me know how it goes, please. Yeah. Well, I'll go chasing him. I didn't say I'll get him. I'll see stuff that's interesting, but I don't know if I'll see the dog. We'll give him a go anyway. Right Very cool. Cool. All right. All right. Well, I should really stop procrastinating too and get back to the shit that I'm meant to be doing as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it's it's great, great listening to you. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting today. Yeah, I love when you come no on. I always learn yeah. something. I'm gonna take your little segment and just keep replaying it on the uh, you know, tell me about carpets oh. and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, on an endless loop. Listen, you idiot. This is how it is. Stop saying bullshit. <laughs> oh, look at you know, it's, it's 
It, the, the one thing that I found interesting is when you guys were talking about the other day when you were talking about the keeping lines pure and stuff like that. You know, the idea of what a pure line is 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 very arbitrary. And you know, is it really a line for a locality anymore because you've put them together? Yeah, I, I say, yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sort of at that. Because I would, I would argue that you're. It's no different to you know, perpetuating a line of, of color pattern or, yeah, I agree. or anything like that, because you are arbitrary. You are putting those animals together. Yeah. Yeah. You're not putting all those animals in a pit and saying, it's a cage of fucking death. You guys figure it out. Right. Figure you it are, out. you're thinking that this one's going with this one and this one's going with this one. Yeah. So, and I don't, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm not really a morph person. So, but I'm not against it either. Whatever floats your fucking boat. But at the end of the day, you, you're you're making the decision anyway. Yeah, yeah. You're, I not, agree. Keep, you're not you're not keeping a locality pure because the the locality for starters, half the time the locality is is dubious. Mm-hmm. As much as people don't want to admit it, it's fucking dubious, right? The second part is is that you know there's a lot of ambiguity to that. If it's even if you're working with puppy and stuff that you think is from that. Is it really from there or is it from is that port that it came out of? Is, or is that one's the flavour of the week? So we're going to go, we're going to call everything from Oro province because no one's heard of Oro province before, so people are going to jump on it. So sure. we'll call these ones Oros, and mm-hmm. that way then, you know, we're going to make more money out of it. Um, so we don't know if that's true. The second thing is, is that we're arbitrarily putting them together, so we're not allowing them to choose. So because we're not allowing them to choose, then it's no longer really a proper locality. The second thing is too, is that we select, most people select for color or they select for feeding or they select for for temperature, uh, for temperament. Again, these are people that are selecting stuff. The animals aren't choosing it. Right. Yeah. I, I I can't disagree with you. I've sort of. So you might as well pick for color or, or whatever. What's the point in keeping the lines pure because we're our idea of purity is fucked anyway. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah well i often always caveat, uh, caveat that with saying that um you know the australians probably are <laughs> laughing at us because what we call a poor douglas or a brisbane or a you know whatever and they're like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> you know, well gelatin well, I, or say, whatever. I can show you 30 snakes and tell you tell you they're all from brisbane right right and i could put three from outside of brisbane in there you've got no hope of telling yeah, and, and I can hand that. I can send those same photos to people who live in Brisbane that see carpet pythons all the time, and right. do exactly the same thing. And they couldn't tell me which were the ten ones that weren't from Brisbane either. Yeah, sure. yeah. The problem is, I still certainly variable, couldn't. You know, if someone I mean, said to me, "Go here's ten fucking carpet pythons. Three of them are from Brisbane, or five of them are from Brisbane," make a guess, I'd have no fucking hope. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. don't think anyone. I don't think anyone that that really knows carpet pythons genuinely could. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if 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 the if they are that poly, you know, polymorphic, how is anyone going to really pick them apart anyway? You're not. So just throw them all together and call it a day. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, mate. There it is. There's, that's the end. There's the, there's the quote. Throw it all together and just walk away. Leave it at that. Awesome. Uh, right. right on. Uh, I'll leave you with it. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Always a pleasure. Take it easy, guys. Right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. See ya. And we are out. 
MurrayPythonRadio.com. You want to get in contact with us, info at MurrayPythonRadio.com. Listen to all the podcasts, Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Say it. You got to say your your thing. Oh, bye, 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 bye. There we go. Thank <laughs> you.